Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Tuesday morning. It's the first of the month. Pitch and a punch, but ow! And no returns. And that was the spike as well. The beggar on £500 a day, not even homeless. They reckon he's making about 130 grand a year. Uh, the singer linked to the top of the pops girl is apparently an American singer and still touring. This woman who, who started this one says, oh, I can't say anything else. I'll get sued. I thought, yeah, you're getting dangerously close to it at the moment. This is all based on what she's been told by a girl who was traumatised throughout her life and fantasised for most of it. The black revamp for the flying lady on the front of the Rolls Royce. Uh, as predicted, the Oscar dresses are on display. Robbie Williams gets waxed and the search is on for the best voice on the radio. Good morning. Hello. Thanks for your company. I'm Steve Allen. It's an odd one, isn't it, really? But we'll come around to that one a little bit later on, mainly because it involves me. And I don't... I, I can't quite work out why it involves me. It's a very strange... And I'll do it now. Let's do it now. Let's get it over and done with. And, and uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, sent me a thing the other day to say, you're on this list, Steve. And so I didn't take any notice of it. I thought it would be sort of a list of, you know, at this age, <coughs> excuse me, and still working. So I didn't really take any notice. Until it came from my friend Paul. And my friend Charlie, and I looked at it, and it's a list... I didn't, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't know what it was to start with. I had no idea that this is sort of like a competition to find the best voice on the radio in this country. So I'm looking down... The, I'm at the top of this list. It's only because I think it's done alphabetically. And uh, there's 20 women and 20 men in the whole country. How I've got on this list, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming it must have been a sympathy vote. I can't think why anybody would ever put me on a list of voices to listen to. I mean, I'm a radio presenter, but that's as far as it goes. There are people out there, you know, with tons better voices than mine, you know, really sort of, you know, people go, oh, that's a velvety voice. That's a chocolatey voice. But I don't think it comes down to that. They said it doesn't come down to anything at all, really, apart from what attracts somebody to your voice. So I'm sort of looking down this list and there's like, it's sort of, it is a bit of a who's who of who's in radio, mainly on the BBC. So, I mean, I don't stand a cat in Hades chance, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's the fact that I've never been on a list before. Nobody's ever put me on a list like that. I just sort of happily toddle on doing radio programmes and I don't, I don't really think about it. I'm sure that we've all got little idiosyncrasies that, that, turn up and people go, oh, I, re- I get all the time, oh, I recognise your voice, you're Steve Allen, I reckon, you know, and so it must be distinctive, whether or not. Apparently it was described as camp but mischievous, cheeky, a cheeky voice. And, um, and so you can vote for it, which I thought was even more bizarre. I thought, well, I'm, you know, if it comes down to a panel, I'm not going to get anything at all. So I thought, you know, even if I get a couple of votes, it'd be quite nice. And the producer said he, he, he voted for me. Which was quite. He, he's, he's almost done a signed affidavit, and it's on RadioTimes.com, and you go onto the radio page, and there it is to find the most. I mean, which is a BBC publication, so they're not going to be voting. You know, I'm not going to be getting any votes from people who don't listen to the BBC. But there's little clips apparently on there, which I haven't managed to find at the moment, but I'm sure they're there. So it's uh, the search is on for the best voice on the radio. And I wouldn't even have included myself on that. <laughs> so how I've made it on there, I don't know. There are some people on the list who I know are fans of the programme and they listen. But I don't think you become a fan of somebody's voice, do you? 
I wasn't aware of how it worked. I thought you sort of become a fan of what somebody does on the programme. And this programme is sort of, it is, technically speaking, for adults only. We don't encourage children or people of a, of a simple nature uh, or people who have literally been tagged or let out on remand. We don't, we don't encourage those sort of people at all. So when I appeared on this list and I looked through it, there's only a few of us. And literally, I think it's less than three who are in commercial radio. Uh, who, who've got nominated. So, of course, I'm delighted and thrilled to be there. Just thrilled to be on a list. If there's, if there's 20 of the best voices in the country and that's them, and I'm one of them, blimey. I mean, that's, that's a bit of a turn-up for the books. It'll never happen, but, I mean, it's, inter- it's, it's quite interesting just to see your name with all, these, with all these sort of great voices and people who are, you know, much bigger and bigger, audience that are, bigger audiences than I have. And st- so I was, I was sort of genuinely shocked... When I first looked at it, I didn't really take it seriously. And then somebody said, oh, no, it's in the Radio Times, you can vote. And I thought, but all these people have got millions of listeners. They're going to be voting for them. And so I'm going to get way down. The... I'd rather not know the outcome, to be honest with you. I would really rather not know the outcome. It's safer that way. Anyway, onwards and upwards, if you like the sound of my voice and you like the sound of the programme, well, then we're halfway there. If you like the content and you stick with the programme till 6.30, well, then we're doing even better than I thought we could do in the first place because that's the art nowadays. There is a spike at 4am in the morning. The audience leaps up. It's as if we all sort of rise out of our beds like Lazarus, rush to the radio and go, he's there. Oh, <laughs> he's there. What a great voice. What a great voice. So, anyway, so... So yesterday I watched Loose Women. Uh, they do a little handover link with uh, This Morning and they sort of sit there and sort of do their bit and they had Alan Titchmarsh on, who I love to piece. I think he's a very natural presenter, very natural presenter. And, uh, and then they had, I think it's Robbie Williams' wife. God, she's old. I didn't know who she was until they, they said her name. Aid, is it Ada or Ida Field or something like that? Or I've been in a field, I don't know. And... Um, <laughs> I've been in a field. <laughs> Who hasn't? Uh, well, many years ago. And so uh, I was sort of looking at it, and then she revealed during the course of the programme that Robbie Williams gets his back waxed. And I thought, isn't that just too much information? Isn't that the kind of thing that you sit back and go, I really don't want to know about that. I really don't. I know it sort of pops up every so often. Sorry, I was going down the wrong route then. I do beg your pardon. If that sounded like an innuendo, it was not meant to be an innuendo at all. Uh, the jump is facing a safety probe. I mean, to be honest... I did say a few weeks ago, I mean, the next thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to die. Even though it's done on the junior slopes and it's all a bit... They, they, they seem to be on there. They obviously love the money. They must have. And they're people who want to uh, to be attention-seeking. It's the same people. They're just trawled. Now, we've got so many of these blooming reality shows. It's the same people, isn't it, who are doing the rounds. Actually, I suddenly had a thought... You know, you have you have evil thoughts. If if I won this, you know, voice of the nation, which of course is is so remote as to Steve now moves the program to the moon, it's not going to happen. But uh, be very sweet, you know. And and I fantasise that I might have won it and stood up there and gone. In this entire room, I'm the only person, barring one other on the list, who actually has freedom of speech. I can actually speak my mind. I can actually have an opinion, something the other people are not allowed to have. If you work for the BBC, you're not allowed to have an opinion. They get really up about people with opinions, so they're going to loathe me. So there's no chance I'm going to get anywhere near it. But at least I'm on it. At least I'm on it. Uh, the sailor's body found perfectly preserved. Well, I mean, it looks like he's dead. He doesn't exactly look very healthy. And he died seven years ago, and he sort of died sitting down on the table. Well, sitting down on a chair, leaning on the table. And it's it's a really bizarre... We, we put it on the LBC website. And we did say, you know, if you're, you know, nervous disposition. But I think because it, it just looks like it could have come out of 
you know, Madame Two Swords or something like that. It doesn't actually mean anything to anybody. I felt, you feel a bit sorry for him, but at the same time, he's now achieved immortality. Now everybody knows who he is. It's like one of the uh, the mummies, isn't it, in the British Museum. It's growing hair. One of them turns round in, I think, one of the other museums. Uh, the bad tots get iPads. Um, the other one is here, which is uh, Adele. Hello. And uh, I think she was told, listen, don't say anything for the first three songs. Well, she couldn't resist it, could she? Effing and blinding as she came out. Everything. I think she's putting on the voice. I think she sounds like Alan Carr, don't she? She like talk like that all the time. And then she sings beautifully. And, uh, and you kind of get, well, where did that voice come from? And the answer is, you don't sing as you sound, as Jerry Halliwell proved quite successfully. Or anybody else who we didn't think could sing in the first place. And as for poor old Cheryl Spagbowl, I mean, for some reason, she seems to sing in an American kind of a voice, which is a bit bizarre when you come from Newcastle. But anyway, so Adele comes out and does her usual, I was absolutely myself backstage and all this kind of stuff. And we all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's made a fortune. I cannot knock talent. I cannot knock talent in any way, shape or form. I can't, I can't understand it all the time. But we did have a bit of a laugh, <coughs> excuse me, at Ollie Murr's expense the other day. When Ollie Murs, obviously deciding that his career is practically hitting rock bottom at the moment. He's still popular, people still like him. But unfortunately, because he's done the presenting bit, it's killed the singing bit. And I think he's realised that, you know, nobody's going to take you seriously. You can't just flit from, oh, I think I'll do some presenting on a show to, oh, look, now I'm a singer. Oh, look, now I'm stacking shelves. Oh, look, now I'm in the gutter. You know, you can't do it. You're either a singer or you're not a singer. It's like people who go, I'm on a reality show. Well, I think I'll be a presenter. No, you're not a presenter. That's why that poor old, uh, what's-his-face, who was the steroid king, Spencer Matthews, he, uh, he did his steroids, killed him stone-dead his career. Absolutely in the gutter, no chance of resurrecting it. The nearest he got was sending a hundred roses to some old bimbo off a television reality show. And that was it. That was the, and she goes, oh, I hope he's after my mind. And I thought, you are as stupid as you look. And sound. So he sort of disappeared. And, and it's, it's all a bit disappointing because these people seriously believe the publicity that's written about them. They seriously believe, if they're on the front cover of OK magazine, that everybody loves them. You know, that if they're on the front cover of a magazine, that makes them a celebrity. It doesn't. You know, you've got Frankie Bridge, whatever she calls herself now. I mean, dear God, this woman can probably barely go out without licking the mirror. Must be an absolute nightmare for her. They all do it. All the people, you know, the, the Towie lot. Gemma Collins must go, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful, aren't I? And we're all going, no, you're not. You're just a fat lump who waddles around looking ridiculous in that pokey little shop in Brentwood. Well, I say it's pokey. It's pokey when she's in it. It's normally quite large. But when she gets into it, it kind of narrows down a little bit. There's only, you only get two or three of her size in there at any one moment. So, uh, so all of these people pop up on the reality shows. And that's what their life is now. They, they, they dribble from one reality show to another. I'll do the jump, then I'll do this one about pretending I'm going to lose weight because I'm cutting out sugar. And then you turn on Loose Women and there she is, fat as a whale that's just died on a beach. Poor old Colleen Nolan. Even putting that jumpery thing on does not disguise the fact that she is the size of a very comfortable three-seater settee. She's absolutely enormous. And, you know, and all this rubbish about, well, you know, three stone overweight. I thought maybe I was a stone overweight. And we're going, no, no, three stone overweight. And even uh, Dr. Jensen told her exactly the same. So three stone overweight. And, um, and she's been caught out. She's going to stop smoking now. 
because I told you the other day that Katie Hopkins said when she was on the panel she stank like an ashtray. And it must be really, I'm not surprised the husband doesn't want to go near it. Every time she goes, I can't believe that Ray, don't, you know, we don't go out and do this kind of thing because she stinks. Awful. Uh, anyway, um, how do you feel this morning? How do you feel? The only reason I ask you is, uh, is because how you feel determines how long you will live. And so that's that's quite interesting. I quite like that. I like the story of um, of the uh, of the thieves, a gang of thieves. They've been robbing museums for ages, travelling around the countryside as they have been. And uh, here they all are. Some are in uh, are in Ireland. Um, they reckon eighteen items that were stolen from one museum worth forty million pounds. Why is it they're ugly? Why is it thieves are ugly? And here they all are. You know the people: Richard Kerry O'Brien, Patrick Clark. Daniel Turkey O'Brien, Turkey describes him very well. Danny Flynn John, Cash, uh, John Cash O'Brien, Michael Hegarty and Alan Clark, uh, all living on various sites and now uh, spending time pleasing Her Majesty, I should imagine. I mean, something like £40 million, pounds, more, no, £57 million in these artefact raids. And of course, it only takes one person to slip up, one of them called uh, Chi Chong. I know, I know, I couldn't believe it either. I thought he must have a first name. But no, Chi Chong it is. The police have been watching his house on Clapham Common for ages. Ages. And of course, he made mistakes. And once you make the mistake, that leads to this person, to that person. Before you know where you are, uh, you know, Kerry O'Brien Jr. He's an ugly. Uh, Terence McNamara, Robert Gilbert Smith, Ashley Dad. Uh, there's uh, Paul... Paul Pammon, Richard Sheridan, Robert Gilbert Smith, as I say, and, uh, and they're all there. But they were very successful. Not anymore. Uh, for some of them, they'll probably only ever see the inside of a prison cell. They'll probably die there, I should imagine. And, um, and it's, it's a, bit, uh, a bit embarrassing, actually. Um, one of them, six members of the same family, were involved in the museum crimes, including Richard Sheridan, an ex-spokesman for Travellers, fighting eviction from Dale Farm. Somebody quite ex- explained to me why it is that Travellers, mainly on Big Fat Gypsy Wedding, were pixelated coming out of prison. They spend most of their time involved in crime. Or is it just certain people? Because every time you get a big gang, and this is a, this is a big gang, this is, set, this is about 14 strong, the majority came from Traveller sites. It's unbelievable, isn't it, really? So it didn't take long for the police to round them all up. There you go. Not quite as bright or as clever as you thought. 18, 17 minutes past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 4.20. Stephen Mulhern's going to vote for me. (laughs) That's just very nice. I'd vote for him as well, actually. I would definitely vote for him, too. And, uh, And Carol's voted for me as well. Oh, and there's a link, actually. Somebody's just put a link up to radiotimes.com forward slash news forward slash 2016-02-2. So it'll be on there. You just go to the Radio Times website. As I say, there's no chance, but it's a bit of fun, isn't it, really, for goodness sake. Out of all the voices in the country, I get this one. And uh, somebody says, um, uh, I think they may mean voice as in personality. Uh, no, it's not. It's got nothing to do with personality, strangely. This hasn't. They've actually uh, said, it says, if so, it says you're a shoe in because BBC employees are not allowed to have opinions, says Scott the cabbie. You must be from South London, I should imagine. No, it's, 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 uh, it's nothing to do with I think they've actually said it's not to do with personality. It's just to do with the way somebody's voice is and what attracts you to somebody's voice on the radio. Because I never thought about it before. Seriously, if you, if you worry about the way you sound, you'd be a voiceover. 
and I'm not a voiceover. I only ever did one voiceover, and that was, I think, on a documentary for the Osmonds, I think. And uh, and that was about it. So I've never actually thought about it. Going back to yesterday, when we were talking about the Oscars, and Sam Smith jumped up and down and got very excited being the first gay man to win an Oscar. Of course, he was hopelessly out of touch, because uh, Tom Daly's boyfriend got an Oscar, didn't he? And so he's actually in the papers today saying, listen, you actually follow my boyfriend... And, uh, you know, I got an Oscar. So you weren't the first person to get an Oscar, the first openly gay person. So John Gielgud got one. There's been quite a number of people over the years, apart from the Elton Johns and people like that. So there's been about six or seven openly gay people who have won Oscars. That's not including the ones who weren't openly gay, but everybody went, definitely gay. Definitely gay. (laughs) People like to do that, don't they? Definitely gay. People like to say, especially about the Americans, because the Americans are a bit funny about it. They don't mind having comedians who are gay, but they couldn't possibly have an actor because they always reckon you couldn't sell the person around the world, which is rubbish, because, of course, you absolutely can sell the person around the world. And there have been lots of very, very successful actors who sold around. the Rock Hudson, of course, was, uh, was another one who was, well, not openly gay, actually, not openly gay at all. He was just... Uh, I don't I don't really I think he denied it didn't he actually uh, Pat says I've just voted for you I agree uh, with you about Adele's beautiful voice and talent but the bad language is a bit of a turn off yeah I mean I absolutely agree I absolutely agree I don't know why she has it do you think it's an act I think it's uh, I think it is is an act you know uh, Steve plugging the list to try and raise people's curiosity to get them go and look and vote for him says Romano of course what are you stupid don't be thick. I've never been voted for anything in my life. That's why I love it. I think it's. I think it's really hilarious. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. And um, it's very interesting. I was sort of reading somebody here, somebody called Lou in London. I think that means that they've got toilet humour. And reading some of their their texts, they really have. Oh no, they also could be another name. In fact, they they seem to be. I think there's something the matter with them mentally, actually. They seem to have about four or five different names. But uh, it's great, actually, because I've just saved them any embarrassing. Somebody says, uh, all you do is bash Colleen Nolan. <laughs> says a lot about your uh, insecurities. Mm. Well, there you go. Well, you're writing to me, luckily. I'm not writing to you. I always think the terminally stupid and the people who've got some sort of illness, we have to save from themselves. So I've just saved you from yourself. Which is good, isn't it? I like people like you, actually, because you you restore my faith in human nature because you're so sad and lonely that you don't really have anything else. And so when you kind of think you're being terribly clever and you're not really being very clever, we can put an end to your misery, which is nice. (laughs) Uh, In Dubai is Romano. Best place to stay, I suppose, really. Not a lot going on in Dubai, is there? What is it? It's just like, don't they just call it a building site? Isn't that? And uh, EastEnders last night. There was no shouting or screaming or bad English, says Les. Are you sure? Are you sure it was EastEnders that you were watching? Are you quite sure? I don't believe you're watching EastEnders. There's always shouting in it. There has to be. There has to be shouting. It doesn't, it doesn't actually make the programme unless they've got somebody shouting, you know, get out my pub. Oh, that kind of thing. We love, we absolutely love it. And um, another one here. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, is the bloke who's uh, just died, who's in uh, a prison fight with Paul Newman... George Kennedy. There's a few people who've just died in, in America, actually. Uh, one of them was in, oh, was it Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? I thought it was a great film, very underestimated. 
I can't remember what it was about, but I just remember thinking it was particularly good. Uh, Charlie, thank you very much indeed. Charlie and Jan as well. Says, uh, like you, love the series Don't Drop the Coffin. Absolutely adored Barry Albin and his way with the team. Breakfast was always a very happy occasion while they discussed the day's funerals. Do you know on one of the programmes, the one I was watching the other day, they said on one of their busiest weeks, they did 32 funerals. 32 funerals in a week. It's phenomenal, isn't it? I was... um, <laughs> I was um, thinking about that. I think at 32 funerals, average cost, say, 3000 That's a lot of money coming in. A lot of money going out, but a lot of money going in. And then somebody said to me the other day that they discovered a pub in Twickenham. We have a few pubs left, take my word for it. But this particular one, I won't tell you which one it is, but they were talking behind the bar at how much they'd taken on Rugby Day. This is, a, this is a pub. It's not a huge pub by any stretch of the imagination. What did they take on Rugby Day? £21,000. 21000 I thought, blimey, these rugby fans did half drink. Imagine if you've got a really big pub. But there again, you know, big pubs only fill up when it comes to rugby time. Rest of the time, you're spreading a community fairly thin. So people tend to have their, their favourite pubs that they go to. But it's only on rugby day where the... Uh, where the regulars get sort of a little bit pushed to one side, unless you know the landlord and landlady, in which case you're quids in. But uh, £21,000. There'll be landlords listening around there going, ooh, what a small amount of money. What a small amount of money. Uh, Jane says, uh, Re Beggars, my next-door neighbour here, used to go out begging as homeless. He would bring home around £200 a day. He wasn't homeless, uh, but he had the look. Well, I'll tell you the story later on of a bloke who's making 500 quid a day through begging. Aggressive begging. Uh, he's got a house. He's not, not homeless or anything at all. He just, um, he just goes out begging and he gets money in. I mean, I suppose in the same way that you sit there. There was a bloke lying. Lying, if you please. I assumed he had no use of his legs. So, a little bit like Colleen Nolan. And I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, you just go and sit on the street. And, I've got some money. And they always have plaintive, pathetic voices. Why can't they speak normally? You know, there's nothing to matter with 99% of them. They're just people who can't be bothered to work and they've got either drink or drug issues. And so they end up with a very plaintive... It's a bit like listening to Gemma Collins. You go, money, money. And you think, no, I haven't. I'm not going to encourage you to stay on the street. I'm really not. I'm really not. Uh, who's pitched up on Emmerdale? George Sampson. Has he really? George Sampson. The street dancer who won the Britain's Got Talent. Didn't he pop up on the internet, as they say? And um, splashing around in a shower. Yes, I remember he did the dooby doo doo dooby dooby doo. And then didn't he do some naughty pictures on the internet? They put anybody on. They actually uh, don't prefer actors now, Malcolm. They actually prefer what they call raw talent. They like people uh, who haven't actually done uh, a whole load of things before. They like to take them and nurture them. So in theory, he probably could turn up in, in Emmerdale. Uh, Steve, you can have the most velvety voice in the world and be a barefaced liar. The attractive feature with your voice is that we get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we don't, we don't need to, um, to sort of bother about things like that. So when we sort of blocked this silly little girl's blouse who was sort of going on about Colleen Nolan, I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind, but everything was factually correct. She is three stone overweight. It has been done on television. She's trying to milk it for all it's worth now. Where, you know, where, where's the problem with it? If you don't like the truth, go away. <sighs> go away, you silly little person. Uh, on the subject of Robbie Williams, Peter reckons it's usually... Yes, I thought it would be, yes. But uh, just the back in this case, I should imagine. I don't know why your wife would go on television and tell people that. 
Why would people say that they, they've had things like that done? And then she said as well, to make it worse, she said, I've had a child so he can go through the same pain. There is no pain to being waxed. Why do people think there's pain involved? You know, you get people going, ow, ow. It doesn't hurt at all. People who've got tattoos get far more hurt because somebody's sticking a needle in, like that. And if you're only being waxed, there's no pain in being waxed, for goodness sake. They make such a big deal about it, don't they? Obviously, you girls are going, oh, it really hurts. No, it doesn't. I've had waxing before. I've had waxing. Now you're going to be asking the questions, aren't you? And you're not going to be getting the answers. 84850, steve at uk. Jane says, Dubai is just another tenor grief. I've never heard that expression before, but I like it. I'm liking it. Tenor grief. One of my favourites, actually. That's Lanzagrotti all over again, isn't it? Tenor grief. Yes, I mean, I know people who go to Dubai quite a lot, and they like it. It's just that it does seem to attract sort of the wrong people. Uh, Ian says, who counts the votes? Radio Times? I w- listen, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, compared to all the people on the list who are all, um, um, you know, people who have got audiences in their millions, I mean, I'm way down the list. But it doesn't matter. At least I'm on it. Blimey, out of the hundreds, if not thousands, of radio presenters, the length and breadth of the land, to actually be on a list of 20 men is, uh, is a bit of a result, as far as I'm concerned. Still to come, the story of the, uh, the couple who called somebody in to look after their house. Unfortunately, it's falling down. So they've got to pick up the bill, which is about £300,000 for the demolition. Not looking so good. Time check for you. I know you're interested. It's LBC News Time. It's 4.30 with the latest headlines. Here's Charles Rowe. 26 minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, Tuesday the 1st of March. Still to come, horrific story. I do hate stories. And you're going to hate this one. And you can hate it for a couple of reasons. But I, and I'll tell you why in a, in a second. Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning as tear gas and stun grenades are fired at the Greek-Macedonia border. Is the current system for refugees working? And can it continue? The father of a 13-month-old girl sexually abused before her sudden death is awarded £117,000 in legal aid to fight a custody case to see his other children, should he be handed the cash. And hundreds of thousands of parents find out if their child has a place at their first-choice secondary school today. Many expected to miss out. Has your child got the place you wanted? That's Nick and the team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. John McKenty, executive diary editor at the Daily Mail, will be in. Of course, he was a drinking buddy of um, of Terry Wogan. So I'm sure he'll, he's already commented on it, I should imagine. So here's a couple. And uh, they their home collapsed around them after builders botched a cellar conversion. They've now been billed £300,000 for the demolition. Listen very carefully. The clues are all there. Jackie Hale was eight months pregnant when she and Ed uh, Goldswain fled their two-bedroom flat in 2012. Last year, a judge ordered the incompetent Ames Plumbing and Building Services, run by Christopher Knott, to pay £287,000. That's Ames Plumbing and Building Services, run by Christopher Knott. But the couple, who must still pay off the mortgage, got nothing as the firm went into liquidation. (laughs) It was lucky, wasn't it, for them? Insurers for the building and the freeholders of the property in Finchley are also refusing to pay up. Mum of two, Jackie, who intends to continue her legal fight, said of her demolition bill from Barnet Council, this is the final straw. However, Christopher Knott has uh, now sealed her fate completely. He now trades as Stone Hall Building Services. In other words, how is it possible? 
you know, in this day and age that somebody can put their uh, firm into liquidation because they have to pay 287000 and then they open up another building firm, completely separate, and just carry on trading as if nothing has happened in the entire world. So just remember, Stonehall Building Services, it's run by Christopher Knott. His last company went into liquidation. You know, it's the kind of thing you would expect to see on the television, isn't it? Where they go round with a hidden camera and go, why are you not paid this money? Because you put the firm into liquidation. But yet you're still trading, but as another company. Doesn't that drive people berserk in this day and age? Where's she going to get 300000 from? Answer, nowhere, nowhere. Jane says, I too am insecure, Steve, because I too find Colleen Nolan so irritating. Yesterday she was up to her dirty, dirty girl act again, where they've got Robbie Williams' wife sitting there and Colleen sneers at the camera in her sort of dirty girl look. It's a bit embarrassing when you're that size. Uh, sort of going, oh, he's perfectly safe back there, isn't he? As if Robbie Williams was backstage, which he might have been, I don't know. I didn't get as far as that. The moment sort of dirty girl started doing her, her cheesy ugh, ugh, act, you know, I switched off the television. And then I suspect most people did exactly the same. Ghastly, really. We don't need that sort of thing. If that was a bloke leering at somebody going, yeah, poor, she's old backstage, isn't she? Oh, Fern McCann's backstage. They'd be up in arms. They'd be up in arms over it because it's dirty girl, Colleen. They seem to sort of just sort of just sort of let it go, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at My friend Fat is looking to raise money. And I said, how about... He, he said, come up with, with suggestions. So I said, an all-over waxing, which I think seemed, seemed sort of fair enough, since we were talking about that, about Robbie Williams. He says, I prefer that to the overnight in a lion's enclosure, which was suggested... <laughs> Yes, as long as you're not, yeah, overnight, yeah, there's no saving grace on a, a lion's enclosure, is the fat, at all. There was that bloke who didn't he climb into the lion's enclosure, and the lion sort of sat there looking at him, thinking, what is it? And he was sort of sitting there. I, I think he had some mental illness, because you, you don't just walk into a lion's enclosure. He fell in. Well, I think he fell in deliberately. And eventually the lion sort of thought, we'd better check out. Oh, my God, the food moves today. And it was then that they... Yeah, because they're wild animals. They've got a new lion enclosure coming up uh, at London Zoo, which is uh, very good. Uh, Steve, the rugby ground last weekend sold 5,011 gallon kegs of beer. Wow. That's a huge amount. Is that a huge amount? This goes back to the story of one of the pubs in Twickenham who took £21,000. That's cash. Actually, probably know it would be... Um, it would be some credit cards as well, wouldn't it? People always say that. People expect to take credit cards all the time. So they go into Paul Cooper's shop and go, uh, do you take cards? And they go, no, they don't. They don't take cards. Uh, Dorman Dorman Kingston says, I'd vote for you. You've a lovely voice. Yes, I mean, the, other, the, the others are. Funny thing is, I, I never think this is sort of, I know it seems ridiculous, but you don't, um, you don't sort of think about voices in radio. I think that I'm just doing this for a living, but I think that the other people on this list... You know, they are professional people. And you get professional voiceovers. You know, people who are chosen for their lovely voices and they've got lovely tones and their intonation is great. And they're, they're just perfect. And you've, I listen to voices on the television thinking, I know why you've been picked for that advert. It's because your voice is, is what they call middle of the road. And they, and they categorise actors. We used to use a lot, and we do in this building now, a lot of actors coming in to do voiceovers. And they're sort of, you know, this person could sell toilet paper. Miriam Margulies. Uh, was the voice of the Cadbury's chocolate bunny uh, because she had a very sexy voice. And if you watch um, a few films, you will discover that people like Hattie Jakes, before people saw her, they would listen to this very sexy voice. And then, of course, she was revealed. Didn't they have a woman a while ago uh, in the newspapers exposed as an 85-year-old granny doing sex lines? 
she was doing sex lines because people thought, and she'd go, ooh, you sound lovely. And, and they'd go, ooh, without realising it was an 85-year-old woman with hair growing from everywhere. So uh, they just goes to prove you can't really tell what, uh, what people are like. Uh, B, thank you very much indeed. She says, whenever I'm down, I tune into the programme. I know. We must, we must be the only programme that actually people tune into to kind of cheer themselves up a little bit. Uh, and also to get a bit of gossip and also, you know, to get a bit of uh, let's kick them when they're down kind of thing. Because that's what we do in this country. I, you know, I don't mind celebrities. I don't have a problem with proper celebrities, people who are stars. Not some old bimbo or some himbo off a television programme where all they've had to do is have a few uh, tattoos done. And then they stick these dullards who are drunks mainly on the television. And then they sort of just behave badly. And all I keep thinking is... So nice to screw your life up so early. Eight four eight five zero Stephen LBC dot co dot uk. Everything gets uh, woven into the uh, program. Poor old Karen's been off work for seventeen days. She said I had, I had a holiday in New York, so I haven't listened to you for all this time. I'm sorry. Do you have a note or a letter or something that you could bring? But anyway, nice to turn uh, the radio on. There you are. You sound like you've got a cold. Do I? No. Don't have a cold at all. Why would you think that? Perhaps you need to get some new batteries for the radio. Save up a bit more. You know, go on, push, push the boat out. And um, reminds me of Les Dawson, who was at a local pub with his wife and his mother-in-law. And six rugby players started beating up his mother-in-law. The wife said, aren't you going to help? No, says Les. Half a dozen should be enough. And um, <laughs> Fat says, my listener just told me I've got a mention on your show, which leaves me wondering. What about the, about the waxing? Are we going in for the, uh, for the waxing? He says, makes me wonder, he says, why they're not listening to me. He said, stop nicking my listeners. He said, your spike's big enough as it is. I can always do with more. I don't mind taking from local radio. I'm not proud. I'll take listeners from anywhere. Today we have the, uh, the, the meeting. This is where all, all the company get together and we all sit in a little theatre here in the building. We've got a little theatre. It's like a, a little preview type theatre. And they go through the audience figures. And, of course, me being the start of the day, technically, I get first one off, which is, which is fine. I don't have, have too much of a problem with that, provided the figures are good. If the figures are not so good, it's not the best thing to do. So, uh, luckily, uh, this time round, I've, I've, I've had the nod that uh, we're doing OK. In fact, we're doing better than OK. So, that's all down to you, which is nice. So, thank you very much indeed. It uh, always helps, doesn't it, when you go, oh, any chance of another contract? Yes, another contract. So we get another contract and we go into another year, which is good. Uh, Shazi in Abu Dhabi says, you make me laugh every morning. I can't be part, part of your 4am spike, but I certainly can vote for you. There you go, you see. You can vote. You can vote. If you want to know what it is, you have to go back to the beginning of the programme and listen all over again. Which is okay, you can listen to it as often as you like. What did I see the other day? A picture of Sarah Ferguson. Wasn't she out with Prince Andrew? What a boring couple they turn out to be. Them and the two dreary daughters. Oh, did they, there was a lovely bit in the paper that said they actually do jobs. What jobs would those be? For most of the time. One of them, 18 holidays, isn't it? In a, a short space of time. But, uh, so we sort of point and we laugh at them because we don't vote for the royal family. They're just kind of there. So we don't have to like them. We don't have to like anything about them at all. Uh, there's a story in the paper today of some poor man who was cremated by a hospital. The family didn't even know he was dead. They had no idea. They really didn't know anything at all. I find that very, uh, very disturbing. Uh, I'm also uh, fairly disturbed by the, uh, the Oscar parties. Elton John has an Oscar party. I don't know why. Has he got really bad eyesight? Because he seems to spend most of his time wearing sunglasses indoors. And uh, they were all there. It was a very gay Oscar party for Elton John. He likes to have it. 
And uh, there's a few of the parties out there which they go, isn't this fantastic? And so when you look at the people who, who turn up to Elton John's, it's, I mean, it's, it's quite a... It's quite a line-up, actually. Quite a line-up of people. So, well done to uh, them. They all have pictures taken. They do selfies. Do you think actors hang around with other actors? No, not really. Unless they're at a party. In which case, they do... Hello. Hello. Sorry, last bit. Fabulous, fabulous. I know. I thought I could be the next James Bond. Um, and I see that uh, Jeremy Corbyn's son has complained to the police after he was allegedly headbutted as he left a nightclub. Dear me, honestly, you don't expect things like that, do you? But mind you, I've been to a nightclub for so many years. Seriously, I couldn't bear it. They were saying that this particular pub was absolutely rammed. You know, I mean, there's got to be some sort of fire safety thing going on, hasn't there? Just in case something broke out and people have got to get out of a pub, because they must be way... You have capacity on a bus and you have capacities on a train. They don't seem to have it for pubs. And somebody was saying oh, it took ages to get served in this pub on rugby day, but it does for most of them. I, I wouldn't want to go into a pub where you have to queue to get a drink. I really wouldn't. You know, but, hello? Is anybody? You know, is anybody serving? Any, have you seen me? No. So people stand there waving money. And, you, and the bar person is attracted to you. I mean, it's, it's really quite difficult to try and work it out. You've got to be a wits about you if you're going to become a bar person, which is good. A friend of mine was going out to look at a house the other day. I'll tell you the story in a sec. Not, not the complete story, because that identifies him. But uh, this is a house where he couldn't get a mortgage on it. There is no mortgage available for this house. And we couldn't think of the situations whereby they would not offer you a mortgage. Time check. Ready? Quarter to five. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everyone. Sorry, I was just reading a joke which somebody sent me in. I like it, the idea that sort of people actually sort of send me in jokes at this time of the morning. Obviously insinuating I'm just not funny. Which is the worst thing you can ever say to a personality presenter. I say personality presenter because that's what, that's what you're supposed to be if you work on a speech radio station and you're not doing a political type programme. You're doing a personality programme. It's your personality that gets the audience to listen to you. If I sat here talking about politics for two and a half hours, the audience would be switching off in droves. Uh, regarding the builder that went into liquidation, that happens all the time. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely of the opinion. I think it does. I work for a small haulage company who did some work for a scrap metal dealer. Uh, we did over £3,000 worth of haulage for them, waited six months for payment, only to be told that uh, the company doesn't exist anymore. Still in the same yard, still run by the same family, but changed the name to another company so they didn't have to pay the bills, says Keith. Yeah, I mean, I, they do it all the time. I'm amazed that these people are still allowed to, you know, to do it. But it's, it's called, it's called, you know, creative accounting. So this company uh, gets itself into a lot of trouble. So, OK, close that one down. And the same directors are now running another company which does exactly the same you know, we all know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what the the way round it is. Actually, I, I I really don't know what the way round it is. Whether or not you can take them to court, because all they do is you know, I haven't got any money. You think? Well, you seem to be living quite well, don't you? It was like you know when we were talking earlier on about the the culture vultures. That's what they call them. This uh, this gang. Many of them travellers. And so they arrest them off all these sites. And you begin to wonder. You know, travellers are constantly getting a bad press. Constantly. You know, people always going, they thieve, they do this and that, and then travellers get up in arms. And one of the blokes here was somebody who's been convicted, by the way, was supporting the uh, the Dale Farms site. And, and you think to yourself, do, I mean, do travellers know that other travellers are thieving and bringing their name into disrepute? And the answer is, of course they do. Of course they do. You know, this is a big gang. This is uh, three, six, there's about 14 of them, I think. But uh, all off to prison 
£57 million. I mean, I, I have to be honest with them. What the dickens do you do with £57 million worth of treasure? Do they sell them? They sort of prop up the caravan? I don't know. Where do you put stuff like this? So they've had frantic phone calls, uh, which, of course, was all... It was all monitored by the police. The police had them every step of the way. They were so dumb. They really weren't intelligent. They thought they were probably being intelligent. And um, so uh, they, they faced the sentencing. Uh, two of them actually pleaded guilty. The rest of them were all convicted. So Detective Superintendent Adam Green of Durham Police says, if you, if you think the Hatton Garden break-in waste was big, this will blow that out of the water. All convicted at Birmingham Crown Court. Two more pleaded guilty. All 14 face sentencing. I'm assuming it'll be between 10 and 20 years in prison. Wouldn't you think so? Seems a bit daft, really, doesn't it, really? Because they're now sort of dumped. Perhaps they don't have families. Mind you, they're so ugly, most of them. I shouldn't imagine they have got families. Um, the ghost ship mummy. Here he is. He's been sitting down. And, and then he just collapsed. And he died. And so here he is. They have a, a picture of him and his mummified corpse as well. It does. You wouldn't believe it was actually a real person, but it, but it is. Uh, he was 59, found by two fishermen who boarded the yacht. Must have been a bit of a shock, mustn't it? I think it was the salt water and the salt in the spray that kind of preserved him. Whatever it is, he's, uh, he's been found and he will now get a decent burial. However, however, nothing compares to the dreadful story of a dog who's been confined to a small cage for two years without ever allowing out to be exercised and this is um, a whistleblower who said the pet called Stella was allowed out of the three foot by ten foot enclosure only twice in order for her behaviour to be assessed if I was a dog sitting in a cage I'd be kind of building up wouldn't you be building up the pressure going I just can't wait to be let out I'm just, you know I think that's so awful and so cruel Uh, the dog was seized because she's a pit bull which is a banned breed, the whistleblower uh, who is uh, working at the private kennels where Stella has been locked up, says, we were always told not to exercise or go into a kennel with any dog, regardless of character, that had been brought in under the Dangerous Dog Act. And, um, and so here, a spokesman said that the animal had continual kennel enrichment with staff and remained in fine and fit condition. I mean, to be honest with you, the dog looks fine. But you not think maybe it would be nice to let it out so it could have some exercise? Would that not be feasible? Is it so dangerous that they can't do it? In which case, why is it still alive? If it's a real, real dangerous dog. But as I've pointed out on numerous occasions, no such thing as dangerous dogs or bad dogs. It's bad owners. Bad owners. People who have them as trophy dogs. People who have them as, uh, as a sort of dogs who, who sort of, they, they, they sort of walk around because they think they're really big. They think they're really big. Uh, 84850. Uh, B.O. in Buckinghamshire. No chance. No chance. I can't tell you what, what the thing is because it's just a stupid person. But uh, absolutely no no chance of that whatsoever. We'll sink without trace. OK, a little bit like the Titanic. Uh, 84850, uk. Somebody says, you're right. People on the BBC cannot give their opinion. They have to follow the, uh, the line. Yeah, they're, they're just not allowed to have opinions. So they just sit there and say, oh, let's go to the next one. You know, that's it. Um, I think Spagbol's voice is middle of the road, says, uh, says Jim. I think it actually could be. Could be. Poor old Spagbol. They're not going to be asking her to sing any time, are they, soon? Somebody did say, uh, do you think she's going to be uh, doing an album with her new boyfriend? And somebody else went, I dearly hope that she will not be. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is fantastic. We don't want her back in the recording studio, do we? That would be awful. Uh, there's also a dog here, and he's got, um, he's got a bucket list. He's a dog who's dying. He's got a terminally 
uh, terminal illness. And so he's got memorable moments. Tony Lawrence was devastated when her staffy Chucky, was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And so they've taken loads of pictures of him. Uh, Chucky, she says, would love to meet any celebrity that likes dogs. Oh, God, it's one of those people, isn't it? It's the attention seekers. You know, any celebrities like to meet my dog? I don't think so, dear. You might find some people from, um, from sort of some reality shows who might want to do things like that. But, you know, everybody, they're not really that, that, that kind of thing, is it? Because it's just done for you. It's not done for the dog. The dog doesn't know about um, anything like that, actually. Um, um, Steve? And uh, who entertains you? Nobody. Nobody. I'm a radio presenter. We entertain ourselves. We entertain ourselves. There's nobody who entertains radio presenters. I don't think so. I could listen to radio, but I I just listen. But bearing in mind, I know lots of the people that I listen to on the radio. So when I wander around this building during the daytime, if I'm in doing interviews and stuff like that, I know a lot of the people. You know, I can go upstairs and Emma Bunton will wave at me and Jamie will wave at me and, and... Toby Tarrant will wave at me, and Chris Moyles will wave at me. I think, actually, they wave... I think I don't think it's waving. I think they go away. Go away. Go away. <laughs> That's what they do now. They go, go away. You know, and so people people do wave. I know lots of people in this building. I know the people who work on all our stations. I can walk past and wave at every single person. So, But I don't have any particular favourites. I just, I just like, you know, the job I do, like most people. You wouldn't do it if you didn't like it. If you really hated being on the radio, or you hated listening to the sound of your own voice. Not that I think radio presenters listen too much to their own voice. I think it's a case of you're in the wrong business. Get the heck out, quick as possible. As long as you enjoy what you're doing and you feel you can push some boundaries and you can feel you can sort of make some people interested uh, in what you do, then that's fine. That's what it's all about. You know, we get paid for it. I've said before, don't ever feel sorry for radio presenters. They're earning money. It's not like they're doing it for free. Although I did have one the other day from a friend of mine who's, he has a friend, and this friend said, oh, I can't believe you know Steve Allen. So we had a, had a bit of a laugh over things like that, and I said, how do you know this person? He said, we worked together at, uh, at a hospital radio. And uh, he said, that's how, he said, but he didn't know that I knew you. And it's amazing, because I've had the same in the business. Somebody say, oh, so-and-so I work with listens to you all the time, and I go, do they? They, ne- they never tell me about these things. <laughs> I'm always the last person to know. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. More of your uh, texts and emails. Uh, you're entertained, says Kelly, by the misfortunes of these Z-list celebrities. You might not be wrong on that one. I do thrive, as you all know, on other people's misery. The more miserable Colleen Nolan is, and Gemma Collins, and the Fahir's sisters, and anybody else on these reality shows, the happier I am. The happier I am, the sooner they all disappear. And of course, I mean, I'm hoping in my lifetime they will disappear. I'd hate to end, you know, my life and they're still in existence and still getting coverage in newspapers and magazines because they're not really worth it. They don't do anything. They're just people famous for being famous, which you discover if you read my book. So you want to be a celebrity. It's a it's a hard, rough guide to telling you what it is and what the business is about. And as fast as you rise in this business as a non-entity, you disappear as a non-entity. You know, ask Joe Swash. You know, his star burnt out a long, long time ago. He must be just about scraping a living, I should imagine. Just about. I mean, I noticed the other day that poor old Jeff Brazier, Brazier uh, he, he's managed to get a job at his local BBC station. For that read, no audience at all. 
you know, be, what did we have? What was that station that we had? Was it, I can't remember, somewhere down in Cornwall or something. It was one of the ones where they, they suspended a presenter because he actually dared to have an opinion. And we absolutely laughed, you know, like BBC Radio Bristol, <laughs> all these local BBC stations. Does a local vicar have a show on there? Yes. And so, <laughs> can you believe it? That Jeff Brazier is going to go on, like, what, mate? What? And he's going to talk to you about parenting. I mean, seriously, bless his heart, you know, for making an effort on it and being a life coach. God, it sounds like Dullsville, doesn't it? Nothing worse than preaching to you, you know, because he brought up Jade Goody's children. No, they're your children. You know, what's so difficult? Millions of people are managing it every day. They don't have to bleat on about it all the time. Do you know, one time we used to get every anniversary of Jade Good's death, Jade Goody's death, we used to get a picture of somebody going up to the grave. Anybody been recently? Anybody up for a picture opportunity? Uh, yeah, that'll jog their memories now. They'll all be going, oh, God, quick, we need to get the, the man she married, that nasty little piece of work, uh, out there, have some pictures taken and stuff like that. It's very odd, isn't it, really, when sort of somebody dies, people still, years later, still milk the publicity out of it, and I don't, don't quite get it uh, at all. Um, the Tory MPs who've allegedly broken the election cash rule, and... Um, the, uh, the policewoman who had sex with a former officer on the balcony of a bar. You believe some of the stories that make the papers today. And it's only Tuesday, and I think we can do pension a punch for the first day of the month and no returns, because it's cold out there, but it's not as cold as it has been. But it's a bit drizzly. Drizzly's OK, OK? Drizzly's all right. We can just about get away with sort of drizzly. Uh, the beggar on £500 a day. He's not even homeless. He's just ripping people off. People are stupid enough to give money to beggars. Please don't give money to beggars. Please. And that's the people who chug in front of you. Uh, the singer linked to the Top of the Pops girl who killed herself is apparently a US singer and still touring. Uh, the woman who let, uh, let this staggering bit of news out says, I can't say any more. You know, she's got as far as this. She said, because I'll be sued. I would think there's a very good chance, actually, if you're not very, very careful. That's why, you know, she's sort of eking it out. But she's only going on what somebody told her years ago. No evidence, otherwise the police would have acted a long time ago. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On Eating Britain's Conversation, this is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It is Steve Allen. It's Tuesday, the 1st of March. This is Early Breakfast on LBC. I think I'll go home and listen to this programme, actually. It sounds quite exciting so far. The beggar on £500 a day. That's what he rakes in. And he's not even homeless. But you wouldn't know, would you, if you see people sitting by a cash point with that money. They've got some money, please. You don't know how much they're raking in. Perhaps, perhaps the, uh, the tax man should be sitting there. Lack of sleep gives you the munchies. The black revamp for the flying lady. Rolls-Royce is going to do it in black. Sounds quite nice. Uh, the Calais jungle camp goes up in flames. City terror in Russia as the nanny parades the severed head of a four-year-old. And as predicted, the Oscar dresses are on display. They look lovely. And uh, also Adele reveals gig nerves. And, of course, it seems to manifest itself in her with the voice of, of chatty man. Chatty man. Uh, the sailor's body found perfectly preserved... Uh, how many gay people have won an Oscar? Apparently quite a number of openly gay people have won Oscars before. Sam Smith was sort of jumping onto the, you know, I'm gay. Look at me, look at me, look at me. 
kind of bandwagon, which, uh, which is a little bit tedious for many people. Anyway, it's nice to have your company. Hope you're well. And uh, another one here. Just trying to get some more of your uh, texts and uh, emails in on the programme. I know that Amanda and Gina are listening and Mark and uh, Patty and Elizabeth. Actually, just about everybody this morning, which is good. And, uh, and Stephen Mulhern must be up early. He must be appearing on television. Are you doing a television thing this morning, Steve? That must be it. It must be on Good Morning Britain. I'm only guessing, of course. I'm sort of reading between the lines. Uh, there's also the pair who wed at last. 50 years after they met, they got married. Isn't that lovely? I like things like that. I think that's, I like happy stories. We don't get many happy stories. Uh, the story of Elvis's Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick was supplying all the drugs for Elvis Presley. Drugs to wake up, drugs to go to sleep, drugs to go to the toilet, drugs not to go to the toilet, drugs for just about everything. He walked on with a bag. And in the early days, in America, as I've explained to you before, it was dead easy. Nowadays, you can't just go out and get drugs because you're on the computer. So they want to know. I've got an NHS exemption card because I'm diabetic. And lots of people go in there and you have to pay for your prescriptions and they ask you to tick. They don't seem to check, actually. They say to somebody, wait a minute, are you exempt from... They go, yeah. So just tick the box. But do they, they sort of have some sort of check system. I would have thought so, actually. And um, another one here, which was sort of saying that in the early days in America, when you actually went out to get a prescription, you could get the prescription from a doctor, like Dr Nick, but then he could give you another one. He could go to another town, go to another chemist. You could, in, in fact, you could get the same prescription about 30 times because there was no, uh, at all, um, they, 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 they didn't understand that people would be stockpiling drugs. And, and of course, I mean, it seemed to me, there's a lovely line in Carjo Fall, there's a lovely piece where the, where the drag queen is upstairs and they bring the doctor around because she's having a bit of a mare of a day. It's very funny, actually. And they lift up the thing and says, do you have any more tablets left? And they lift up this chest and there are tons of tablets, tons of tablets. And, of course, that's a huge laugh all round. It's lovely. Uh, Steve, the people who, uh, who criticise you for mocking Colleen Nolan are fly-by-nighters. They're ignorance who don't know you well or follow the programme. No, they're a bit thick. I know they are very thick. And, uh, it's, I mean, I, I sort of secretly like... I secretly like the idea that I do attract a couple of trolls because we know that eventually I'm going to get them in court. We know eventually, you know, their names are going to go to the police because, you know, you can't say things to people nowadays. You know, people write to... Who did they write to the other day? They were writing to the family of some girl who tragically killed herself. The trolls... And you think, no, 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 I'd have you in court immediately. I would have a special court set up for internet trolls. Anybody who writes anything that is that is remotely... Uh, offensive to anybody. I don't care who it is, whether they're black, white, green, pink, grey. I couldn't care less. If it's offensive to somebody, well, then you have to get the, these trolls in court straight away. I only tell the truth. Colleen Nolan, you're fat. You're three stone overweight. OK, simple as that. That's a fact. That was what the doctor told her on the programme. So uh, we always do it to amuse, but never abuse. And the little people who have little IQs don't get it. And they're going to spend the whole of their life being miserable. And that's and that's that I laugh at actually I laugh at other people's predicaments, so uh, so that's why we we can we can do it. Uh, another one here says eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. Julie's going to vote for me on the radio voice poll. This is this I've got to mention it again because I mean it's just so it's so bizarre. A couple of friends of mine, Charlie and Paul, sent me a thing the other day. Say you're on this list of uh, best voice on the radio, and there's twenty women. And 20 men. And it's a who's who of radio. I mean, some people I haven't heard of. I must be honest with you. Uh, the producer's heard of... He'd heard of somebody that I hadn't heard of. And then I checked. It turns out they're a football pundit. So, of course, I mean, I wouldn't know who football pundits were. So I was, I was a bit impressed by that. But there's all sorts of people on there. 
And uh, I think Nick Ferrari's on the judging panel. Anyway, for some inexplicable reason, I've got myself on this list. I think there's only about two or three of us in commercial radio. The rest of it is all BBC people. Well, I mean, I don't stand a cat in 80s chance of this at all. But people can vote. You go to the radiotimes.com website and you can vote for your favourite voice. And I think there's little clips of people that you can hear. So if nothing else, people will then be going, Steve, well, what's he like on the radio? Let's have a listen to him on the radio. So they'll be going through the schedules on it. So they'll all be hitting the LBC website. All these new people that we haven't seen before. You think the spike's good at the moment. It can only get better after this. Because, you know, it goes around the country and people, the newspapers are all talking about it. And so all of a sudden people are going to be seeing my name up there going, who is he? Who is, oh, sorry, who is he? And they're going to be... Um, and they're going to be sort of saying, let's have a listen to the programme. So they're going to be tuning in and they go, oh, right. And then the spike can get bigger. Now, the other day I was a bit of a hero um, because Paul, Paul Cooper's had, had the shop done, as you know. Uh, what they've ended up with, they've ended up with places where pigeons can go. And the other day we were standing there and, uh, and a pigeon flew in under the awning from outside, flew in. So, of course, everybody goes, ah, pigeon, like it's, you know, it's about to sort of dive bomb you and peck you to death. And so the pigeon flies in and goes, ah. Paul Cooper's standing there with a basket on his head, upside down, making it look as though he's about to enter some, you know, plantagenet war out there with other people with swords and everything else going, give it away, give it away. And this pigeon settles on the thing. So I'm thinking, no, I've had, I've had truck with pigeons before. Nobody messes with Steve Allen and pigeons. So I'm banging on the thing there because it's metal. Bang, 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 like that. So it flew out, flew up into another one. Opposite side of the shop. So of course, I, get it out. Off it went, flew out. So blow me down, another one flew in. And I said to Paul, I said, you've got to watch these pigeons. I said, because at the moment they're looking for nesting. And once they've found a place that they can go to, and you don't want them in a food shop, absolutely not. So you've got to get them out. So he's going to have to get some chicken wire or everything. The other day, it flew in again. This time, above where he stands, there's a pole. It obviously thinks it's a place where you sit down. Because one of them sat there and then started making mess, like pigeons do. If I'd been there, they wouldn't have lasted five seconds. It would, it would, uh, because they are classed as vermin. And, uh, and they, uh, they have to die. Sorry about that. Pigeons. Oh, no, you certainly don't have them in a food shop. Would you go into a food shop that was, you know, littered with pigeon droppings? Of course you wouldn't. Have to get rid of them. I know there's a few balmy mad people who might be listening. Go, you have to save the pigeon. They've always got strange voices. Have you noticed? They all sound a bit like Gemma Collins. You know, you, you, you hear them on... There was a woman find the other day. Was it 4,000 quid? Because she's a habitual pigeon feeder. And they've told her, stop it. Slap the back of your legs, you silly old woman. And she carried on feeding the pigeons. They took her to court. She's, she's ignored them eight times. She keeps, you know, and she's got to be taught a lesson. So they find her £4,000, which I thought was great. The neighbours hate it because she gets hundreds of pigeons on the roof and they, they go in their gardens and everything. And they don't like it. So, uh, I mean, next time she'll go to prison. Best place for it, actually. Because these people are mad as broomsticks. They seem to think that pigeons starve. Oh, they're going to starve. Never seen a starving pigeon yet. Never seen. There's that much chronically bad food littering the streets that you don't need to worry about pigeons listen pigeons eat everything and i mean everything they don't care they are the human dustbins that's why they carry diseases you know and so they have to die i'm afraid so the next one that appears in his shop ooh, dear me it's it's gonna it's gonna you know well you know <laughs> it's gonna be meeting its maker fairly uh, fairly quickly Fairly quickly. Oh, it was, sorry, BBC Radio Solent. Thank you, Ken. BBC Radio Solent. They all have these... There's nobody, nobody listening to these stations. There is nobody listening to them. But it's so funny because it's the only publicity they ever get. So they had, um, 
They had Jeff, Jeff Brazier in the paper the other day saying that he was going to be joining his local BBC station called BBC Radio Sussex, I think, or Suffolk, anyway, whatever it is. And, um, and I thought, oh, that's a shame. Nobody be listening. I don't want to be preached at by somebody talking about, you know, bringing up children or being a life coach. I'm not remotely interested. And obviously, life coaching, not making as much money as maybe we thought it did. Because I think it's... I don't even know what life coach means. I, I seriously do not know what it means. Does that... I don't know what it means. I, does that mean somebody tells you where your life has gone wrong and they can put it right? Because if you look at some of these people who are life coaches' lives, they're in a worse state than we are. Terrible state. I mean, you know, there are pictures which don't even bear talking about of Jeff Brazier on the internet. I mean, dear Lord above, I mean, it's, you know, you've got to be very careful with these things when you start preaching to people and start telling them how to run their lives. I never tell people how to run their own life. Never. I think if you want to make mistakes in your life, make mistakes. That's fine, because you only learn by your mistakes. So, you know, you've now listened to this station, which is fantastic, because now you've realised that what you've been listening to all these years is wrong. This is the station you were destined to listen to. This is the station where you can have an opinion, where you can send in a text or an email or on some of the programmes, most of them, you can actually phone in and somebody will listen to your opinion. I don't do phone in. I don't have enough time in the morning to take them. We, we tried it and it, it just does not work. You know, and you look at the audience figures and as anybody will tell you, listen, you don't argue with progress. You do not argue with something that is black and white in front of you. Because, you know, if we did phone in, on, it would hold it up. Because I'd have a lot of people just coming on saying how much they love me. And it's very sweet. But, you know, that's that's for other programmes. Not for me. Not for me. I try not to read those sort of things out. And that is absolutely necessary. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Niall says, I wasn't aware of this website. I will be voting for you. Um, another one here. Was it because of you that Cheryl broke up or she didn't like being Mrs Spagbowl? Oh, I don't know. I think the trouble is that Cheryl is needy, okay? She's very needy. She doesn't actually have any particular talent or, it seems, any friends. Her friends seem to be pretty low down the list. You know, whenever you see her out, she's with somebody from Girls Aloud. She goes out with that sort of peculiar-looking Nicola Roberts, and and that seems to be about it. You don't see her out enjoying herself. There's now talk from yesterday. The two people you saw, and I raised it, uh, walking around the Tesco supermarket. I said, is that them or is that a, that's a set-up picture, isn't it? They're not going to be walking around a supermarket. You know, otherwise you'd have a picture taken at the front of them. You know, they can't stop you taking a picture. So uh, it's all, you know, it's, it's all a little bit worrying, isn't it? And so now she's found uh, a new boyfriend and he's 22. So there's 10 years difference. A lot of the, the columnists, a lot of the female columnists are saying, you know, good for her. She's done this and that. But really, their, their conversation must be limited and stilted. She can't hold a conversation. What could she talk about? She hasn't done anything. Well, there was a court appearance, but, you know, you can't dwell on that all the time, can you? What else can she talk about? You know, my singing career finished ages ago and I just put makeup on now. And, uh, you know, because I'm worth it. And that is about it. That's about as far as she goes. I mean, to be honest with you, seeing her in her pyjamas in bed, it must be looking like a badly made deck chair. I mean, seriously, there's no meat on her at all. Colonel Sanders would have rejected her a long time ago. Quick time check. Quarter past five. Nick and the team at seven this morning as tear gas and stun grenades are fired at the Greece-Macedonia border. Is the current system for refugees working and can it continue? 
The father of a 13-month-old girl sexually abused before her sudden death is awarded £117,000 in legal aid to fight a custody case to see his other children. Should he be handed the cash and hundreds of thousands of parents find out if their child has a place at their first choice secondary school today with many expected to miss out. Has your child got the place you wanted? All of that with Nick Ferrari from 7 this morning. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. John McKenty, Executive Diary Editor at the Mail. We'll be looking at the papers today. Uh, the bionic leg. This is Vicky Balshvich. She might never walk again after the Old Towers thing. I think she's done just about everything barring a nude photo shoot, hasn't she? There's nothing she hasn't really done here, but she's going to be given a bionic leg like like lots of uh, soldiers have as well. But they sort of turn it into a into a feature today. This is in New Day. And I don't know how much. Oh, this is issue two. And I don't know how much this one is now. I think this this could be 20 pence or something like that. 35p, is it? 25p. Thank you. 25p. And so they've got heroes of the front line. They save lives every day. So why were four in every ten ambulances staff violently assaulted? Because people thieve from them. Because we've got that many people in this country who have no regard for anybody at all. Really, no regard for anybody. They will thieve from ambulances. They'll thieve from police stations. They thieve from museums. They thieve from just about anywhere. They were talking about setting up a new sort of town, weren't they, where it's going to be nice people. I think I want to go and live there, because otherwise I think I'm just going to get very annoyed for most of my life. And uh, any hopes that Katie Price may have had about a return to music may have to go on hold. I mean, mainly because the poor old trout can't sing for toffee. Not for toffee. Flat as a pancake. Whole new world! Sorry, dear, you can't sing. Goodbye. Anyway, the last appearances on stage cleared the dance floor. She's made no secret of a desire to make music after a brief singing career, but when she appeared on stage with a friend at the Illusions nightclub in Sunderland, the response apparently was anything but ecstatic. She can't sing. Why would an old woman like that, who was never glamorous, it was just she took her clothes off. That was it, they go, oh, Katie Price, but nobody ever went, whoa, like that, apart from the people who married her. And you only had to look at how, what a dreary selection that was. God, blimey. Peter Andre, who now has officially been outed, ladies and gentlemen, Peter Andre's latest birthday meant he was 43. God, blimey, another seven years he's going to be past it, isn't he? Oh, no, sorry, now past it. So that's it, really. Uh, Sean says, you really do keep me going. Driving into work. I like to be caring about people. I like to be a caring sort of person. <laughs> Not always. Or we can have lots of uh, killer Asian hornets arriving in Britain in a matter of time. Oh, I don't like hornets. I don't like hornets. They sound like sort of aggressive wasps to me. And uh, apparently they've killed six people in France. We're almost three inches long. Woo! Scary. Don't like stuff like that. I really don't like stuff like that. And... Um, <laughs> when you mentioned Radio Solent, for some reason, Shoestring, the private eye, came to mind, who worked for Radio West. I used to love that programme. I used to love it. He was, um, he was um, a private eye on the radio. There, was, there used to be another one who solved crimes, didn't it? Wasn't it called Nightcaller? And this was an amazing man who used to have a radio show in America. It was, it was a, a, um, a, a drama series. But he used to walk around the studio talking to people. And I used to think, where's his headphones? How can he hear anything that's going on? How can you walk around the studio? And then we did have a presenter at LBC some years ago who stood up to do his programme. I mean, seriously, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, actually, I sit down for two and a half hours, which is probably not very good, because I stood up to go and get him a cup of coffee about 20 minutes ago. I thought my legs were going to give way. So I've obviously got some sort of, you know, perhaps I've got this thing that you get on aeroplanes where you need to get up and exercise your legs. And uh, we, had, we had a presenter here, and he stood up to present the programme. I couldn't quite understand the thinking behind... I just thought it was a little bit pretentious. 
you know, I know that a lot of presenters have little little idiosyncratic ways about them uh, where, you know, they either turn microphones upside down or they turn screens off. They do all sorts of things because they think it's a distraction or they have to change the microphone muff. They have to do all sorts of things. It's almost like it's a superstition. And once they've started doing it, like me changing my socks every day, you kind of get into the habit of doing it and you can't get out of it. And you get people saying, no, I don't want anybody to... Uh, I used to hate years ago when we were in another studio, people coming into the control room, talking to my producer, but looking at me. I used to hate that. Absolutely hate it. You know, you think, just go away. I'm doing a radio programme. God knows I'm a celebrity. No, I'm not. And uh, in fact, I say that in my book. Did I mention my... I can't remember if I mentioned my book before to you. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, it's, everybody has little things that they do. I don't want people standing there watching me doing the programme. Because, you know, I don't want to go and watch them when they're performing. But they seem to want to watch me when I'm performing. I do not know why. On the subject of um, of Tuesday, Noreen says, do you think you've done every time slot on LBC? Um, yes, I think the only one I never did was drive. You're right. I don't think I ever did drive time. I think I've covered the rest. I think I think I've covered most programmes on LBC. Because somebody said to me, do you do you uh, do you like the time slot you're doing now? I go, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the warm-up man for the big act. I'm the warm-up man, but I'm doing quite well as the warm-up act. White Rabbit's pinching a punch. She said, I will vote when I master the website for best voice. It's, I don't think they, call, they don't call it best voice. They call it most memorable voice, I think. But, you know, out of the 20 men, I'm in there. So, I mean, pfft, well, who you? <laughs> How exciting is that? Very exciting. And um, I think Spagbowl is appropriate for Cheryl. I just read she's reverting from a new double hyphenated name back to Tweedy or Cole. I know. I mean, so to be honest with you, does it really make any difference? At the end of the day, she just sort of slaps on makeup and does some hair extensions and then sits there spouting off about pop music of which she knows nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Ridiculous. I'm exempt, says June, from prescription charges. My chemist requests my prescriptions, which go straight to him. Then he delivers. I got a letter telling me I was being fined £98. as a box saying I was on income-related, uh, had been ticked. But a check showed I wasn't. I rang and explained the wrong box had been ticked and was well, but it shows they do check. Yeah, I mean, I've got a little plastic card. A little plastic card, which means that I'm exempt from... Um, prescription charges but as my chemist goods get my thing direct in fact I've actually got to go back to the doctors because uh, I've got to have a foot check diabetic foot check to make sure that um, mind you after the fact then it stood up and fell off my feet a short while ago you know you've got to be very careful you don't want your feet to be amputated or your toes running like that big problem big problem for diabetics big problem so uh, so thank you Noreen tell him about that and uh, uh, Ian says I voted for you in the mail one it calls you cheeky Yes, camp and cheeky, I think. Cheeky. Would you, would you ever call this... this? I don't, know if it's, I don't think it's the programme you're judging on. I think you're judging on people's voices. So that's what it is. But as I say, cheeky. And uh, Lynn used to work on my programme. She used to work on my programme years ago, doing, uh, doing travel. Oh, yes. They've all been through the mill. They've all been through. Scott says, doesn't everybody change their socks every day? They do. I throw mine away. I throw the mine away. Margaret says, you do make me laugh. Never go away. Badly made deck chair. Well, that's, well, that's what I should imagine. If that's what, you know, poor old Spagbol looks like when she's got clothes on, you can imagine when she takes them off, he must be going, it looks like an advert for neglected horses, doesn't it? I mean, that's what she's going to look like. <laughs> A bit like Amy Winehouse. Actually, funnily enough, on the subject of Amy Winehouse, and the film got an Oscar, didn't it? Uh, the father who loves the publicity, has said uh, he's still campaigning. He, th- he hates the film. Hates it. Mainly because it portrays him very, very badly. 
very, very badly. But they said it's the nearest thing to you're going to get. Most of it is cold from what she's, she's sort of said. And, you know, it's very easy for people to jump on a bandwagon, isn't it? Very easy for people to jump on a bandwagon. But he didn't like it. He said, I don't care whether it's got an Oscar. But then you can't disagree because the Oscars are voted for. Isn't it something like 600 people vote? It's, it's an awful lot of people. It's not just like 20 people in a room. It's uh, much bigger. Uh, Steve says, Mo, following a foot op since September, I've been on crutches and in a, in a moon boot. Today I can walk without the boot. I've now got the most awful pains in the other hip. Oh, dear. Wish me luck, says. So off to the doctors today. Yes, I've got to also arrange my doctor's thing today, but I'm going to be doing lots of journeys backwards and forwards into town. Kevin says, uh, you're at the top of the list. Yeah, it's alphabetical. I think Alan would be top of the list. Uh, Sadly now, back to Cheryl Kebab and Chips, says Jane. I I have a feeling that's what it's going to be. And, of course, he's going to want to be going out, isn't he? Taking out old Cheryl, whereas she doesn't know anybody, so she has to sit at home. You're going to be seeing more pictures of her staggering out of a nightclub, looking three sheets to the wind. Because that's what they do, don't they? That's, you know, that's what, you know. And she's going to be going, I can't do it. I'm 32. I'm old. I don't want to go out. I want to stay in and watch television. Go watch Jeremy Kyle. And that's what it's going to be like. He's going to be bored with her in about five minutes. At the moment, she's just like a trophy girlfriend, as they say. I say girlfriend. I mean, she's, she's fairly ancient by now in, any, in anybody's terms, really. Uh, 84850, uk, And um, another one here. Uh, Sim says, your friend Chris stands for his show. No, he doesn't. Doesn't. Really doesn't. I don't know why you're saying that. Listen, I know him really well. He doesn't stand for the show. He stands occasionally for the show, but a lot of the time he doesn't. He had to be measured so the desk is the right height. No, 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 no. Honestly, I love these things that are put out. He'll be in to see me now this morning. He'll be going, uh, well, yeah, because he talks completely differently to what he does on the radio. I love listening to people's voices. They all sound like Cheryl to me. Every single person sounds like Cheryl. Uh, but uh, no, he, he doesn't stand for the show all the time. Sometimes he stands, sometimes he sits. Most people sit. And of course, no, actually, because he's not here this week, is he? He's away. I just realised. People, people go away occasionally. They have things like holidays. Oh, blimey. It's, yes, that's right. It's, it's Vernon, who apparently looks like Chris when he's standing up, when he's sitting down, because Vernon's, like, kind of this, this big, and the other one's a bit smaller. I don't know where he's gone on holiday. Has he gone away somewhere? Is he back to that boot camp again? Somebody's recommended that Colleen go to a boot camp. Yes, I'd also like to send her. I'll tell you in a moment about the £500-a-day beggars who aren't even homeless. They're ripping you off, and the lovely thing is, I watch it happening every day. LBC News Time, 5.30 with the latest... Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Well, again, you might be a new listener to the programme, in which case you're probably adjusting to the fact that somebody's got an opinion in this world. 27 minutes to six. I'm here till 6.30. We have a free podcast every day, which gently chides celebrities. Well, I say celebrities. Most of them are just media personalities, but they get featured. And if they get featured, it means that they're uh, they're obviously really broken some rule somewhere. And then the remainder of the programme is available to be uh, downloaded as a podcast. We take out the travel, we take out the news, and we take out the advertisements. And uh, then you just get the the programme. Very quickly, this story... Well, actually, not very quickly. I've got loads of time to do on this one. This is a beggar who pretends to be homeless. He pockets, they say, £500 a day from shoppers and commuters by posing as a homeless person. He operates in Wolverhampton. Okay, alert for Wolverhampton this morning. The environment boss... Councillor Steve Evans says, we knew he wasn't homeless as he was registered to an address and lives in a quite reasonable property. Yet he'd be seen in the middle of the city centre at busy times of the day and happy to sit there all day long. 
Well, of course he is. He's making £500 a day. People just sitting down. They give you £500. Mind you, I'm thinking about that myself. He might travel between different cities and towns. He was making a tidy sum, much more than me or you. He's uh, among... They, they call him a rogue. No, no, no. He's a con artist. We have some professional beggars. We'd be looking at taking them to court and getting some some sort of exclusion zone. But all they'll do is they'll just move to another area. There was one in Marylebone, wasn't there? And it turned out he had a car parked around the corner. Mind you, I see somebody in Marylebone High Street all the time with a disabled sticker on their van. Nobody appears to be disabled at all, so I don't know who it is or why the police have never intervened. Very odd round there. I wouldn't, wouldn't like to suggest anything, but goodness me. How can somebody who's quite clearly not disabled have a disabled sticker? That's fraudulent, isn't it? Fraudulent. Uh, the reunion shock um, on a balcony. It's of a policeman and a policewoman, a WPC, and they were they were doing it on a balcony um, in full view of people. I don't know. I don't know why we should be surprised. I suppose they're just as uh, just as normal as everybody else. And the uh, the cursed program, uh, the jump could face a watchdog probe. Half of the stars have been forced out for injury. They're not stars. They're just people desperate for the money. They're absolutely desperate for the money. They're not, they're not doing anything else at all. They're not stars. They're not celebrities. You know, if you really think that poor old Sarah Harding, who's failed at everything she's done, I mean, she's worse than Lembit Opic. Looks a bit like him, too. And uh, she's failed at everything. You know, the acting was so poor, it was embarrassing. They couldn't wait to get rid of her off Coronation Street. And you think to yourself, you know, how could this woman ever be a celebrity? Because she was in a group that's now defunct. You know, what, why does that make you a celebrity? We bandy the word around too much this day and age, I think so. We go, so-and-so's a star. So She's not a star at all. You know, she's a dreary person who's dragged her boring life. When she came into this building some time ago, when they were actually sort of in the charts, I mean, she was the one who looked the most miserable about everything. It was all, all a bit of a tedium thing for her to do. And uh, Val says, just to let you know, unfortunately, you can only vote once in the Radio Times poll. Oh, Lord, well, we really need help from the, uh, from the almighty, don't we? If you can only vote once in this thing, <laughs> that would be dreadful. This is the, uh, you know, the, uh, the most, I don't know what they call it, the most interesting voice or something. Anyway, I'm one of 20 men, which is great, and there's ladies there, which is good, which is good. We like that kind of thing. It's, it's always interesting. Certainly came as a bit of a surprise. And, uh, Steve, I was in Sainsbury's yesterday and watched a family of four walking around doing the shopping, and the father opening the food and feeding it to his kids. Yeah, I mean, you, you do see that a lot. You see, if I was on the till, I would be waiting until they got to the thing and go, OK, can I just have the empty bottle in there? Uh, what were for? Because you've drunk it. Because you've thieved. You've seen mothers opening packets of crisps for kids. You've seen, you know, I see them opening packets of crystal biscuits and giving them to them. You think, no, you're thieving. You're thieving. Bev says, I've just managed to tune in, albeit late due to sickness. So confirm, we're still calling Cheryl Spagbowl? Yes. Yes, it hasn't changed at the moment. Even though she's sort of dropping the other little bit. I think, really, it's it's the, uh, you know, spag bowl is what everybody calls it because it's an Italian connection, even though he's French. No, I didn't get it either, but apparently he's got a restaurant. So we thought, you know, the most popular item uh, in a restaurant would be spaghetti bolognese. And it's also, it's an advert that comes to mind every time they... Uh, they sort of do it on the television. I always think, they always make spaghetti bolognese look so nice, and yet you know it's the messiest thing to eat. It is the only thing where you think, I'm going to throw this down me. I could just tell. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end up all down the front. So if ever you go out to a restaurant and you're wearing a white shirt, do not order either spare ribs, spaghetti bolognese, chilli con carne. Try and have something that does not make a mess. 
Try and have something that doesn't matter. It's very difficult to find, because at some point, you're going to be sort of, you know, <laughs> splashing stuff all over you, and it's, it's not great. It's not great at all. So just, you know, just be... I only offer this as advice, because it's a Tuesday, and it's the 1st of March, and we are rocketing through this year. We are going so fast through this year, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, before we know where we are, as I said to Paul Cooper the other day, the chances are we're going to be at Christmas before we realise it. I know. You can't believe it, can you? You cannot believe it. Really terrible. Uh, There's a football fan in the paper today. He's five years old. His name's Leon Priday. Leon Priday. He's visited... I say he's five years old because the reason he's in the papers is because he's visited 115 football grounds. He's been to the stadium, 115 stadiums at the age of five. God, that sounds to me like he's got a father who's a football nut. I've never been to a football match in my life. They've been to a rugby match, never been to a cricket match. They've been to anything. I must get out more, mustn't I, really? I'm quite clearly not doing it properly. Just have a quick look on the front of OK magazine. What what drearies have we dragged out? Oh, here we go. This is, um, oh, it's Frankie Bridge again. Another dreary, boring interview where she parades the kids in front of the camera. And it's Mother's Day with her sons, Parker and Carter. They come up with the names, don't they? What did I meet somebody the other day? Beauregard. Have you ever heard of a kid called Beauregard before? No, me neither. Anyway, an exclusive interview with dreary old Frankie Bridge. Oh, blimey, your life must be so tedious, love. That's all you get. Stephanie Davis on her roller coaster romance or fake romance, as people. Nobody cares about you, dear. Nobody cares about it. And uh, Fern McCann joining her mum, Jill, for Mother's Day. Oh, God, honestly. How dreary. How blooming dreary. That kind of says it all, doesn't it, really? You're going to be having that very... Have we had Mother's Day? We haven't had Mother's Day yet, have we? Isn't it coming up shortly? I'm sure it will be fantastic. And uh, Mother's Everywhere will be going, oh, look, lovely. Somebody's finally recognised exactly what we do, which is full-time. I've looked at New Day, the New Day, this new paper. There's not a lot in it at all. You know, it's got little things about, well, about nothing, really. It's that there's nothing in it that I'm particularly impressed about, apart from the quality of the paper. The quality of the paper's actually quite nice, but it's just, I don't know, they've got a lamb in front of somebody's fireplace. A friend of mine used to have this. His parents owned a farm, my former producer, years and years ago. His parents had a farm, and if a lamb got abandoned by its mum, they would bring it in and stick it under the arger to keep it warm. Which must be quite nice, actually, because knowing it was going to end up on top of the auger uh, was never the best thing at all. But I said, I said, did you ever used to put sort of um, a bit of sort of mint around the lamb? And he said, no, we weren't that cruel. I'll be glad when spring's here. I do like daffodils. I've got loads of daffodils at the moment. Loads of them. And of course, you know what it is today? And uh, I should have wished you all it at the beginning of the programme, but I wasn't sure how many we had listening. It could only just have been all of Only Boys Allowed and anybody who's Welsh Wales, because it's St David's Day today. So uh, brighten up your day with some dafts because of St David's Day, which is nice, isn't it? You don't have to be Welsh to put dafts in a, in a thing and just stick them. They're lovely, aren't they? A host of golden daffodils and uh, you can get them in a tin from john lewis daffodils in a tin for two pound fifty or all you've got to do every year is just go out and get some earth stick it in a bucket or whatever and plant some daffodil bulbs in there and up they will come proud and true daffodil they look gorgeous kids like them as well you know they're very pretty i've got about 30 or 40 pots of daffodil little pots little pots and i just stick some water on occasionally and when they sort of give up i shall give them to the cleaner and he'll take them home and make full use by planting them out in the ground and then next year they'll multiply and come up again they're beautiful daffodils these are miniature daffodils which are even even nicer even nicer so uh, happy st david's day today 
and I'm sure you will have a wonderful... I don't know what you celebrate with. Is it... I mean, is, is, is there some sort of cake that goes along with St David's Day, or is it just leeks and, uh, and I was there? Yes, I was there. More on the, um, uh, the world-famous singer accused of having sex with Claire McAlpine, who is an American still touring, it was claimed yesterday. These, these claims have come from uh, a close friend of Claire McAlpine. And this is Kelly Gold, who seems to be revelling in the publicity. I mean, what evidence there is for this, I've got no idea. No idea. But apparently, before she died, Miss McAlpine wrote in her diary about being uh, molested. But as most of her diary appeared to be just made up, she admitted that she had uh, fantasies. Um, speaking at her home in Ringwood, Miss Gold, who's a chiropodist, said, he's an American singer and is still going around today. He's still going, has had a wonderful career. Um, so, and she said, I can't say any more, otherwise I'll be sued. I was, as I say, I think you're pretty, uh, pretty borderline at the moment. She claimed that several of this teenager's abusers are still alive. But of course, as most of it appeared to be fantasy. Because bearing in mind, this, this stems down to a diary. I mean, I don't believe anything that Kelly Gold says, but only because I wasn't there. So I don't have to believe anything. I'm not interested. I'm more interested in the fact that this girl's parents uh, have got her diary. The police have got a copy of it. If there had been anything in there that was remotely suspect, do you not think that the police would have investigated? Do you not think that the police would have gone, wait a minute, she said things in this diary. I mean, she quite clearly was not of a sound mind. And she admitted that she fantasised over all sorts of things. And um, she, she claimed that she'd been back. I mean, I did point out the other day that people do tell lies at 15, 16, 12, 11, 65, 30, whatever. Whatever age, people do tell fibs about it. And, um, and I think you need to be extremely careful in this particular instance over a girl who took her own life. Uh, the parents have said that, you know, they still have the diary. They're not releasing the diary. I don't know why. I would have thought that could clear it all up, couldn't it? I think because once it's probably been dissected and uh, pulled apart, people will start saying she was quite clearly a fantasist. She was quite clearly a fantasist who probably couldn't prove any of the things that she claimed had happened. I mean, at one point, didn't she claim that uh, two of her lovers were Frank Sinatra and Rock Hudson? Well, Rock Hudson wouldn't have been remotely interested with anybody like her. He was gay. But, of course, she wouldn't have known that because it didn't come out till much later. She just would have seen him as a, as a Hollywood star. I mean, so a lot of her life turned out to be fantasies. And in her last entry, she said, uh, I am just a dreamer and none of my dreams will ever come true and I just can't face reality. I wish somebody would really love me. And uh, so that's it. She said, I sit and dream for hours about me as a fairy godmother or as a star or as Sinatra's wife. But it's all dreams. I can't face reality. Then she took an overdose of sleeping tablets. So, in fact, she's almost admitted that uh, there was no basis to this truth. People tell things to people. I mean, I actually cheated with a friend of mine. He was a big fan of Donna Summer. And so... Um, <laughs> He might be listening to this programme. He'll know it's true because uh, I, I sort of I got him a picture of Donna Summer and I signed it. I signed it, Donna Summer. He had it put in a frame. He knew it was fake. He knew I'd done it, but he told all his friends it was Donna Summer's signature. I can't remember if I did it to Jimmy or not, but whatever it was, it was fake. It was definitely fake. And so, uh, so that's why people do these things, don't they? They pass it off as some people tell fibs. In this particular girl's case, you know, they say it's uh, a US star still touring. Well, you know, where is the evidence? She wrote about it in a diary, did she? Well, the police have got this uh, diary. They've, they've got a copy of it and they haven't done anything at all. Uh, Steve, happy St David's Day. Yes, hot buttered Welsh 
cakes from M&S and Moorish, and Phil Vickery's Welsh rabbit recipe. Oh, how gorgeous. 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday morning, 1st of March. Pinch and a punch for the first day of the month and no returns, and it's 11 minutes to 6. Uh, Mark sa- sorry, Ian says, when I was little, we were allowed to eat crisps on the way around the supermarket, and then we put the empty packet in the trolley for it to be paid for. It wasn't thieving. Oh, it absolutely was thieving. Absolutely was thieving. You thieved. Absolutely. You've eaten something. Whilst you were eating, you were eating something that you had not paid for. Irrespective of whether you get to the end and then you pay for it, you've thieved it. You've eaten something that did not belong to you. You put it in your trolley and it only belongs to you when you've paid for it. It's like people who pick up grapes. They pick up a packet of grapes and as they're going around, they eat a few because the grapes are weighed. So effectively, these people are thieves. I've seen mothers open packets and give biscuits to children. Thieves they are. Thieves. Lowest common denominator. Thieves. They're people who haven't paid for it. And most of them do not pay at the checkout, let me tell you. Uh, Biggest regret at the age of 70, the one that got away. Is this you? Annual income. This is a a portrait, they tell me, of a typical 70-something person. It's what you've got to look forward to, kids. Annual income, 21,617. Not if you're begging in uh, in a certain part of the country. Your debts are £31,504. The age you bought your first, first home would be about 28. Your savings amount to £5,227. Your car is a Ford hatchback. You like the two Ronnies, Faulty Towers, Only Fools and Horses. Your films would be Schindler's List, The Great Escape and The Shawshank Redemption. Your favourite bands would be Queen, ABBA, The Beatles. Uh, physical activity five times a week. In walks or in the gym. This is for this is for the 70s. Uh, biggest regret, the one that got away not travelling enough or saving more. It's the travelling thing, isn't it? Because people start doing it. They did a, a programme on the telly the other day, which I've, I found really interesting. And I suddenly realised watching it, I must be the world's biggest anorak. It was about a big cruise ship, a Norwegian cruise ship. And uh, it just looked like a container ship. Only they called them cabins. And it was huge. It was absolutely enormous. And uh, and they sort of, you know, went to different places. And they were serving 21,000 meals a day. And it just looked very interesting. I quite like going on cruise ships. I've only ever been on one, two. And uh, and I liked it. I really did. I did enjoy it. I think I'd prefer it if there weren't, if there weren't children on it. That would make it a lot better. Uh, and so I need, to, I need to consult with my friend John Warrington. He knows about cruising and stuff like that. Uh, your relationship for the, uh, for the 70s, married together about 30 years, five months on average. 30 years, five months. And your pet would be a cat. Your pet would be a cat. Uh, happy, velvety or stern. The search is on for the best voice on the radio. And you can vote for all sorts of people. Apparently, Emma Bunton is described as having an infectious, uh, infectious happiness. Because you can hear it in somebody's voice, can't you? And uh, one here, simply very, very easy to listen to. Somebody who has an authoritative voice, easy on the ear. And uh, there's all sorts of people on here. I'm up against uh, Barry Cryer and uh, Humphreys from the Today programme. Sometimes stern, sometimes gruff, sometimes surprisingly warm. And the radio editor, Jane Anderson, says we're not looking for the cleverest presenter or the most groundbreaking pres- uh, reporter. We want you to tell us who creates that thrill, that buzz or that sense all is well in the world when you hear them speak. Well, there you go. It's me, isn't it? And I'm top of the list because they start with an A and there's nobody else on the list with an A. So I'm quite great. How I got voted for in this list, I've got no idea. 
It's on the Radio Times website, radiotimes.com. Go to the radio section. And you can only vote the once, which is a shame, because I was, I was toying with the idea of multiple voting, because most of the people on this list, as you will discover, uh, have huge, huge audiences. Whereas I've got a very big audience, but I can't compete with some of these big stations. I can't compete. But it doesn't matter. Just to be on the list is, uh, is quite enough. And Tom says, my cousin drives a white van. He delivers parts for computers. He carries light items. He's got a heart condition. Born with a hole in the heart, can't walk far, so he has a blue badge. He gets uh, abused constantly from people who think he's a fraud. Not all disability show. Oh, believe you me, this one's lifting stuff up. He's, uh, I've seen him running and everything else, so let's not start that one, Tom. Thank you very much indeed. I'm sick to death of people coming up with feeble excuses as to why somebody's got a blue badge. You know, so he delivers parts for computers, he carries light items. You know, but he's, got, uh, he's born with a hole in his heart. How did he get the bloody job to start with? How does he get insurance to drive? Good God in heaven. Gets worse by the day, doesn't it? This one doesn't look as though it's, uh, you know, doesn't look as though it's bad at all. Mark says it's not thieving. It is thieving. It is thieving. We used to give our daughter a packet of crisps from a multi-pack. When you get to the till, they scan the multi-pack, not the empty packet. It doesn't matter. It's the fact that you've eaten something that is not your property until you pay for it at the till. Then you can open it. Then you can open it. Up until then, you're a common thief and should be hanged by the neck. It's as simple as that. We're going to build gibbets outside all the supermarkets for thieving parents. Oh, it was a multi-pack. We just give her a packet of crisps and we just pay for it at the end. Yeah, you might do. Loads of people don't. They thieve. But you shouldn't be feeding somebody stuff on the way round. You haven't paid for it. It's no good going, oh, it's a multi-pack. That's a load of old codswallop. It really is. It's not good enough, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Tim goes, if you're eating crisps as you pass around the supermarket, it's thieving. What's the difference between going to a restaurant where you eat well before you... Oh, don't be so stupid. What sort of part of Marlow are you in? You must be in the worst bit of Marlow, where the thick people are. Thick, 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 thick. And then the people who think that you go to a restaurant, and that's thieving, is it, until you pay the bill at the end. That's cooked food. Eating packets of crisps is not cooked food. Ridiculous. It's like sort of going to... It's like going to Greg's, asking for a... Um, 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 like sausages in a roll, eating the sausage, and they go, uh, that's 30... You go, well, I haven't eaten anything. That's exactly the same sort of thing. Exactly the same sort of... Oh, I've got to warn cyclists. I knew there was something I should have done the other day. Um, there's, it's going on all around London and on the outskirts as well. People who thieve things from you, this time they're after your bicycle. So what they've done is they've cut through bike racks... With a, with a hacksaw, very quickly. They do them at night, and then they put gaffer tape round it, which makes it look like reflective tape. But in fact, you chain your bike up, they take the gaffer tape off, slide the bike, and they've got your bicycle. So just be warned, if you're using bike racks, and there's tape around it, black tape or, uh, or any sort of tape, do check. Do check, please, because otherwise you might find yourself in a, in a terrible pickle. And the pickle might be that you lose your bicycle because I think more bicycles get um, get pinched uh, in London and elsewhere than uh, than any other any other thing. Oh look, Paul Cooper! Oh, he's got a picture of a pigeon. Oh, Paul, do not send pictures of pigeon. He doesn't like pigeons. John hates them even more. But this is a pigeon who's uh, coming in to uh, to roost. You want to be careful because this actually sounds Paul like it could be pigeons. They all have a language. Like that. They're obviously saying to head for Paul Cooper's place. That's what they're saying. Head for it. Quick. And it then turns into a scene from The Birds, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, where all of a sudden birds descend on people. You think, oh, no, no, definitely not. <sighs> terrible, terrible, terrible. 
So uh, we don't want any frightened people about pigeons. Thank you very much indeed. As I say, the only uh, only good pigeons are under the wheels of a car or a truck. With remakes of Dad's Army, says Mark, and are you being served, having been cast? Should they wish to remake Porridge, Adele could play the part of Fletcher. Close your eyes and picture him. No, I think she's Alan Carr, isn't she? Chatty man. Who was it was complaining about the Dad's Army remake? Somebody complained about it the other day. I think it might have been Melvin Hayes from It Ain't Half Hot Mum. Uh, and are you being served? I mean, that sounds good. What are the characters that have now become black? I mean, how does that happen? If they're doing a remake of something, I mean, what, you know, why have they not cast Mr Humphreys as Chinese? Or something like that. So everybody else seems to be normal except one of them who's become a black character. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Because everybody else looks like the characters except except the one person who stands out because they weren't there. They've had to drag in poor old Yorgi Porter, who plays a bimbo. As I say, typecasting from the beginning. Uh, she just got to stand there and sort of rest her boobs on the counter, so it shouldn't be too much for her. A little bit of acting experience needed. Trying to stand upright, I should imagine, would be the first thing. Uh, digital divorces are now just a click away. People don't even bother. You know, they just sort of... I suppose it's like poor old Cheryl, isn't it, really? Uh, I don't want to go out with you anymore. I think he dumped her, actually. Or perhaps she... I don't know. To be honest with you, it's it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous when you talk about that. And uh, Ian says, I'm very sorry, Steve. I've just had a rollicking off Steve Allen the ledger. I think so, too. We're sending the police. We're going to send a Black Mariah round for you later. And uh, you will be taken out and publicly flogged, thieving from shops and then bragging about it on this programme. Small wonder the prices are so high. Lord above. Do you think there's any country where people don't thieve? Anywhere? Afghanistan wouldn't be very popular for thieving in, would it, really? Imagine wandering into a shop in Afghanistan and see if you could, n- see if you could nick anything. Oh, incidentally, after a mild winter... Pfft, try telling some of the people have to get up at the time we get up in the morning. Uh, strawberries in stores. The first strawberries. Well, Paul Cooper's had strawberries for ages and ages. But uh, now we've got British strawberries, which is good. And if you want cheaper car insurance... Oh, God, don't we all? Try a different job description. An investigation found that drivers can save as much as two grand simply by rewording what they do as a living. Somebody who declares themselves a teacher rather than music teacher on the drop-down list can save around 33 quid a year. A homemaker pays £200 less than a housewife and a kitchen worker £150 less than a chef. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for radio presenters. What do you do? I remember them years and years ago. I phoned up from LBC, news coming up incidentally, and, um, and they said, oh, what do you do for a living? I said, uh, in radio. And he said, um, are you actually on the radio? And I said, yes, click. That was it. That was it, because I was on the radio. You get penalised for being on the radio. I do know people in the business who've told fibs and say they just work, you know, in the in the back. I said, yeah, but if you have an accident, it's going to be invalid once they find out what you do. So I have to be honest, I'm a radio presenter. I'm proud to say I'm a radio presenter. But by God, it's an half cost you. It really does. Coming up very shortly, the news at six o'clock. We still can't work out how many gay people have won an Oscar. Lance and Sam's openly gay dust-up is going on. Uh, Adele reveals her gig nerves. And uh, the stag parties brawl on the plane. It was over women, apparently. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Of course, it is theft if you take anything from a supermarket. And, uh, of course, it's fine if you pay, but, of course, the majority of people don't pay. They thieve it. It's amazing. Why lack of sleep gives you the munches, the black revamp for the flying lady on the front of the Rolls-Royce. What made Kate Blanchett pat Kate Winslet's tummy? 
the fact she's pregnant, maybe. Could that be a, a link to it? Uh, the dog in the police cell, who hasn't been walked for two years, because apparently he's dangerous, so they're a bit frightened to take the, the, uh, the dog out. The uh, search is on for the best voice on the radio. The pair who wed at last, 50 years after they met. The story of the nanny parading the severed head of a four-year-old in Moscow. Slightly disturbing. The city goes into meltdown and Robbie Williams gets waxed. And more, and more, ladies and gentlemen. How many gay people have won an Oscar? Apparently it's now got very confusing, as Sam Smith thought he was the only one. Uh, and it turns out that Lance Black, who is the boyfriend of, uh, of Tom, uh, the diver, uh, he says, no, I was the first gay person, which, of course, was wrong. He was just another gay person who happened to win an Oscar. There's been loads of people. Elton John's got an Oscar. I think you'll find that Sir John Gielgud got an Oscar. There was another writer who got an Oscar. So there's, there's quite a cast list of people, plus, of course, the ones that you don't know about. The ones that you don't know about. So uh, Lance and uh, Sam have had this sort of gay dust-up because he's saying, listen, you know, you should know, you write to my boyfriend... Um, follow you on Twitter and all that kind of thing and don't even know who's actually gay in the business. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Jay seems to think that people do pay. Oh, I wish it was so true. Supermarkets can prove you uh, wrong on that one, that most people who open these packets, you see them sitting in the bottom of trolleys. They thieve it. They thieve it. Oh, it'd be so nice if people actually were so honest when they go around. But unfortunately, we are a nation of thieves and, uh, and we, we do... You know, do it. Uh, don't start on the Oscar award thing, says Bart. How can that be racist while the Black Music Awards are not branded racist? I'm going to boycott the Olympics this year because there's not enough white people in it. Really? Good Lord, honestly. We banded these things around, don't we? And um, somebody says here... Uh, uh, da, 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 uh, if you, you can use a different device and vote more than once, apparently. That's cheating. That's cheated. Uh, eating food before payment is theft as the goods have been rendered unsaleable should the consumer not have the means to pay at the tills. That's like people, you know, going and filling up with the car with petrol and just driving off. You get a lot of that. But uh, a lot of people just eat it. They give it to the kid and then they put the uh, the empty wrapper. They don't bother paying it. I love the way that people seem to think that we're so honest in this country that we actually pay for this stuff that we've consumed going around. It's like people with grapes, picking a few. How, how, how do you manage to pay extra for those? You don't, do you? Because you've thieved them. If you've eaten the grapes, they're sold by weight. Sold by weight. And uh, so that's the way it works. And uh, George says, I fit the description of the typical 70s person like a glove, except for the cat. Ours was a budgie. Oh, only the single budgie. Only the single budgie. You're supposed to have two budgies, aren't you? Uh, budgies are supposed to keep each other company. They never seem to actually have um, much room, budgies, do they? I've always wanted an aviary. I used to live next door to a lady. She used to have an aviary, and it was lovely. She had all sorts of birds in there, and I used to love these little Chinese birds. I don't, they're, they're little tiny sparrow-type things, but absolutely gorgeous. And I used to think that'd be nice to have, wouldn't it? Uh, another one here, very quickly, because we're uh, trying to get through as many of your texts and emails as we can. They call it grazing. Yes, it's people who... Um, People who just wander around, and so they open up. It's mainly fruit, isn't it? And they do it with grapes. I see them doing it with grapes all the time. They buy, a, you know, pick up a load of grapes, put them in their bag, and then they feed them to the kid as they're going round. Effectively thieving, you know, through the... I mean, the kid should be weighed, as far as I'm concerned, at the checkout. It'd be lovely if people were honest, wouldn't it? But, of course, people aren't honest all the time. People thieve. They just walk out of supermarkets with stuff. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And, um... 
Three local supermarkets, and they say stealing is up 50-fold due to people not buying carrier bags. Who are these pathetic people who don't buy carrier bags? Ooh, I'm not going to spend 5p on a carrier bag. You see people who spend £600 on a coat in Marks and Spencers and then sort of go, oh, I'm not going to spend money on a carrier bag. I've just spent £600 on this. You think, well, bring your own bag in then, you tight-fisted so-and-so. My son Harry, Steve had his bike nicked from the bike rack at Nottingham University. They must have been very well organised. Yes, it's... Uh, well, we had the best one. When, years and years ago, we were in... Um, we were in um, uh, Grays Inn Road. We came in on one Sunday morning to discover that all the parking metres... Happy days, eh? Parking metres... had been cut down. The thieves had come round. It was a Romanian gang. And they'd gone round with one of these angle grinders. And they'd literally just chopped the uh, things down and packed them into the back of the car and driven off with them because they contained all the money and because they were long meters they they contained quite a bit of money and so then they decided to do away with parking meters apart from the fact they were easily fiddled uh they then decided it just wasn't safe to have them there but they got away i think we came in fantastic for parking because all of a sudden we got a, a week of no parking and then they actually caught them because they were easily caught on CCTV and they didn't, they didn't realise that uh, we are CCTV'd up all over the place. All over the place. Uh, there's another mentally ill person here. This is a nanny clad in a hijab, waving the severed head of a young girl who'd been left in her care. This woman uh, wandered around outside a busy Moscow metro station, threatening to blow everyone up. She's quite clearly uh, completely off her trolley and should be taken and thrown away into prison immediately. And then she pulled this head out of a bag and started waving it around. I mean, dear God in heaven, I've seen some ill people. This one kind of takes the biscuit. Uh, the Russian uh, media uh, got her. She shouted she was a terrorist and she was seen praying shortly before she was arrested. As she fell, the head rolled onto the ground. She told police she killed the girl because her husband has cheated on her. Investigators ordered psychiatric tests. <laughs> I don't think you really need a test, do you? Do we really need to waste money on things like that? Uh, Britain's in the red again. Credit card debt soars just after Christmas. Just after Christmas, isn't it? And we are, I suppose, still paying off what we spent over Christmas. It is quite worrying, this one. They said that people are taking out loans at the fastest rate for 10 years. That's the one thing I'm always delighted. I can always say, oh, would you like a so-and-so credit card? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, you get yourself into... I don't want to get into debt, thank you very much indeed. I try and live within my means, even if I've got to sort of pay out for, you know, tax and VAT. I make sure it's all sorted. Well, I don't, but I've got somebody who does it for me. And uh, and that just makes... I just want... I don't want to get myself into debt. I've seen friends who've got into debt before now. Horrible situation. Horrible situation. I like to make sure that I've always got a bit of money on me. I can always pay off, you know, I can put petrol in the car, roof over my head and things like that. I just make sure that I'm, I'm a lot better with it. You know, I could go out and buy loads of ridiculous things every week, like socks. And, um, and, and I, just, I just can't get into debt again. I did it when I was a kid. I can remember when I was 16, I think I had my first bank account, which my parents sponsored before. They have to sort of, your parents have to help you. And I got myself 20 quid in debt, I think. My parents went up the wall. Since, I don't know, I got 20 quid in debt. I really don't. But I, I managed to do it quite successfully. I suppose because when they give you a chequebook and a, and, a, and a cart, you feel quite grown up. And so, you, um, and so you just sort of spend the money. And I got 20 quid. And they wrote to me. And my parents opened the letter because it looked official and it had Midland Bank written on it. I don't bank with Midland, incidentally. I don't even think it exists, does it, now? And, um, and so I can remember thinking, oh, God. all I remember my parents saying is, well, how are you going to pay this back? How are you going to pay this back? 
And you have to think to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to pay this back. A friend of mine owes me uh, £15 today. Hope I'm going to get it. Otherwise, Paul Cooper would be having something to say about it, I should imagine. It's outright theft, eating supermarket food, Steve. And, um, and uh, it says, although I did down two headache pills before paying as the queue was long and my head was banging, says Sarah. See, that's OK, but grapes... You know, thieving. And also mothers who, they don't pick up the multi-packs. They're just picking up individual packets. I don't want that. I don't want that. And said open biscuits and stuff like that. And then, you know, on your way round, they just seem to consume everything, which is lovely. Which is lovely. You know, and then they just, they don't bother paying. They go, oh, it was already in there. Already in there. Steve, these imbeciles who go around stuffing their children's faces with Chris should be apprehended. Oh, yes, absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> it should be hard because it is thieving. They have no intention of paying many of them. Be lovely if they were all honest and go, oh, yes, we're going to put that uh, multi-pack through there. Like, you know, once that happens. I bet your supermarket, I bet I could follow people around a supermarket and discover mums with kids in in the trolleys thieving quite easily. I can can always guarantee it, actually. And uh, that's what people do. But, of course, the more people thieve from supermarkets and the more people deny it, the more the prices go up to compensate. So, you know, big of you to go, oh, yes, people pay for it when they get to the checkout. If only they did. If only they did, we'd have supermarkets so cheap. But we don't, do we? We really don't. We have them very expensive. So every time somebody thieves, they go, oh, isn't it great because they're a, they're a big supermarket. They can afford the loss. And I'm going, we're going to be paying for this. We pay for you tea leaves. Don't want it again. Ridiculous. Uh, 84850, like you stealing gas, says Steve, by using the same shilling in the meter. No, no, no. That was that was resold gas. That didn't come direct from the gas. You need to listen properly. Can't help it if you're a bit stupid. But I mean, no, that was resold gas. That was a landlord who was reselling it on at his own rates. So it certainly wasn't stealing it. No, no, no. He was doing it illegally. God, I do wish people listen properly. It's so embarrassing when people don't listen, isn't it? You know, and you sort of you have to sort of think to yourself. It's nothing worse than coming up with misinformation. You know, if you come up with misinformation, I've just voted for you, says Lynn in Wiltshire. They're going to be so surprised when they come in today, aren't they, to Radio Times again. There's been a surge of, 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 um, of interest in Steve Allen. <laughs> Nicholas says, I went shopping on Sunday and somebody in the supermarket was wearing pyjamas, dressing gown and slippers. I know. It's not a case of lazy. They are, they're, they're chavvies. They're chavvies. It's people who turn up in onesies. Chavvy people. Chavvy people. So, uh, you know, Dino says shop prices set for loss, damage and theft. Um, no, they're not. They just add it on. They think, you know, things go up. You know, the more people thieve over Christmas, the more the prices are going to go up. It's as simple as that. But uh, obviously we've got a lot of people who thieve listening to this programme. And uh, I've seen people open a jar of coffee, pour it into a plastic bag and walk out of the shop. Well, I've seen it because they did it on television. They actually put a, a cheap shop in. They, they, they set it all up with sort of cameras and everything else to, st- uh, to see exactly what people would do. And they had cheap coffee by the door. Pound. Pound a jar of coffee. A bit like going to Poundland. But then you realise it's made specially for them. And um, and and they, and they and people were, were nicking it. By the end of the week, the pile had gone down considerably. But in theory, they hadn't actually sold it because it didn't show up on the till. People had walked off with it. You see people all the time. I used to watch kids from a local school thie- thieving from Woolworths. And when I mentioned it on the radio, the headmistress at the time went, it's absolutely disgraceful, maligning our... Other, but I saw them. Don't call me a liar. Don't call me a liar. When I see something, I see it. And from this particular school, they were thieving from Woolworths. Probably still doing it to other shops. We used to get the local um, local kids who used to thieve from uh, from Iceland. Outrageous. Iceland thanked me and put in security. 
Not all the time, though. LBC News Time, 6.15. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Unbelievable, this robbery, isn't it? Bigger than Hatton Garden. £57 million plot to raid museums. Uh, They did all sorts of things. A million pound jade bowl taken from a Durham museum. And uh, anyway, they've, uh, they've all been caught... Because they were dim. Eventually, somebody gets caught. No such thing, as I said before, as the perfect crime. If it was perfect, you'd never hear about it. And uh, they've all been arrested uh, at traveller sites in Cambridgeshire and Essex. What a shame to bring on the traveller community, which does so much to try and sort of, you know, rest, you know, easy with everybody's idea in their mind that they thieve. So they try and change it. And then this happens. And so they've all been arrested. And so here they are. But uh, it was some bloke who had um, 50,000 cash in the boot of a car. (laughs) <laughs> kind of means you're going to be caught, doesn't it, very quickly. Somebody says, don't tar everybody with the same brush. I've given my son food before in supermarkets, before, and I've always paid for it at checkout. Well, you might be lying to me. You might be a thief. You might be just lying. I can't trust you at all. In fact, I don't trust you. I don't believe a word you're saying. I believe you thieve, and uh, you don't pay for it all the time. So there you go. Uh, Daryl says, I saw a man stuff a bag of peas up his jumper in Iceland. He looked most indignant when I, when I stared at him. Perhaps he was having a heart attack or something. I can't think why you'd stuff a... Pa- Is it relevant to the peas? Could it have been... It could have been broccoli? Are you sure it's peas? Could have been sort of spare ribs or something like that? I don't know. Can't think about it, actually. But uh, the amount of you who see people thieving on a daily basis, it's, it's almost embarrassing, actually. It is almost embarrassing that we, we've turned into a nation of thieves. I see it all the time. Marks and Spencer's in Twickenham. It's got to be one of the most thieved shop. People just go in there, pick it up, walk straight out. Security man standing at the front door. They walk out the back door, you know. They, they, they seem to have cameras in there, but they don't seem... Because most of these supermarkets don't, um, don't prosecute for the sake of somebody nicking two quid's worth of something. They don't do it. Uh, Steve, I spotted uh, somebody in a major department store getting pinched the other day. Oh, I mean, some people are so brazen, they just go in there, pick an armful of stuff and just walk out the front door. I saw three students doing it the other day from the local college. They looked respectable. They looked respectable. They just walked in there, picked up the sandwich, the crisps and the drink, and walked straight out the front. And because not everybody has a carrier bag now, they've got no... The the store detective might as well be, you know, sort of a mummy. It wouldn't make the slightest difference. He's about as useless as a chocolate teapot. The last one was even worse. He went around rearranging the shelves and singing to the fruit and veg. That was how bad it got round our way. I have parented three of my own children and six stepchildren, and none of them have ever been allowed to eat in the supermarket. Not only is it wrong, it looks chavvy, says Kevin the Milkman. Am I sounding like a snob? No, you're sounding like a normal person. These people who thieve from supermarkets seem to think it's quite normal. Mind you, they're probably the same sort of people who are addicted to the Jeremy Kyle show and think the people on there are just being slightly misled by their partners when they say they've slept with somebody different. You know, it's just, just ridiculous, isn't it? And they think it's quite normal to thieve because they go, it's a, you ask people, you do, a, you do a survey in a paper, you say, right, so there you are in a supermarket. OK, you just thieved, sorry, you've just decided to pay for some of the food because somebody's obviously watched you. And uh, it's no good throwing the empty wrapper in the bottom. I've seen people do it, I've seen them screw it up and put it in their pocket. Which means they're thieving. We know they're thieving. All this rubbish about, oh, people pay for it, is just codswallop. And so they get to the thing, and the woman gives you an extra tenner in your change. Did you know, in a recent survey, more than 98% of people would walk out and not, not say a word, going, oh, it's a big supermarket, it doesn't matter. If it was a little tiny shop, it was a little, they'd go, look, I think you've made a mistake. I would always give it back, I'm way too honest. But I know thieving toe rags out there who would go, no, it's a big supermarket, they can afford to lose a tenner. Like people who sort of find money on the floor. They pick it up and go, well, somebody's dropped it. They don't hand it in. Like the story we had over the weekend of a, a couple who lost their dog 
And uh, then somebody else sent it up with it. And, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> thank you. <laughs> That's probably contagious. And, um, and so this other couple ended up with the dog. And so the council gave it back to them. And the first people complained about it, knowing that the dog was stolen, knowing that it was a nicked dog. And they've been awarded it back again. The person's got to go to court to get their own dog back. They say because it spent four years with this other couple. Go, but it was thieved. It was thieved. You know, if somebody turns up and goes, would you like a dog? Where's it come from? Uh, just, just kind of found it. OK. That's what people do. They thieve dogs nowadays. It's absolutely disgraceful. I mean, re- really just absolutely dreadful. We, we just seem to be turning into a nation of people who don't want to pay for anything. People thieve, you know, everywhere. Um, Steve says, Jan, I used to pick up a French stick and let my child sit in the seat, gnawing his way through the top. Kept him occupied. Plenty left at the checkout. But, it, you know, it's not yours until you've paid for it. It's not yours until you paid for it. It's like going into a department store, you know, picking up a mobile phone and, and sort of, you know, popping it in your pocket. You don't do that. You don't do that. You must, uh, you know, you must pay for stuff. It's thieving, isn't it? Although Stuart says that these children are so undernourished, they can't wait till they get outside to eat their crisps. I know. You'd think the parents would be more intelligent, wouldn't you, than giving them uh, crisps. Uh, Roger says, I once saw a shoplifter in a charity shop. Oh, that's quite normal. Lots of people thieve from charity shops. Why didn't they shopping in charity shops in the first place? They go in there to thieve. Oh yes, that's. I mean, that, that's quite normal. We had some people. We had to call the police. They were. Um, it was a little group of Romanians, and they thieved trainers from the shop over the road, and they were trying them on to see which ones fitted. For they took them back and swapped them for some more nicked gear. Luckily, the police caught them. And all they do is they just take the stuff off them and send them on their way. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous, honestly. We've turned into a nation of, you know, you know can't, can't afford it now, so let's pinch it. Let's pinch it. Uh, the triple tax raid on your pension in the Daily Express. They're offering family holidays for 10 quid. It's with Pontins. I've never been to a Pontins. I quite fancy the idea of a, of a Pontins. Uh, also, the Winslet toasting the Oscar winner DiCaprio. If he hadn't won it, we'd have seen the mother of all tantrums, wouldn't we? Uh, something to tell us, Kate. This is Kate Blanchett sparking rumours by patting Kate Winslet's tummy. Do you think she's pregnant? I mean, I would think that's what it's supposed to indicate, wouldn't you? The New Day, front page, Heroes of the Frontline. And this was a set-up the other day to see how we would cope in a disaster. They did it, I think, down at Waterloo Station. Uh, the Daily Star, they've got uh, Kerr Blimey. This is uh, somebody turning up from the Oscars wearing... I, don't, I, th- I think the idea is, actually, we can't be that far away before somebody just turning up topless at the Oscars, because, you know, it's OK, you know, if you like that kind of thing. But uh, perhaps the nude Oscars... Oh, wait a minute, we have the nude Oscars, don't we? Because when you see some of the outfits that the, the, these people are wearing, you feel like saying, yeah, well, of course we have the nude Oscars, yeah. It's done for uh, pornographic films, isn't it? They have things like that where people turn... You must have heard of that. They do it in Vegas, I think, or somewhere like that. Chipping Sodbury, I thought. <laughs> I, th- I think we need to send Tom Swarbrick out. <laughs> we, we, we've sent him everywhere else. Could you investigate this, Tom? And uh, in keeping with the uh, the spirit of the thing, you'll have to be naked as well. But you look at what some of these people are wearing at the Oscars. I mean, you know, they're wearing more on the Reaper Barn at the moment. It's all very dodgy. Very, very, very worry. Uh, Tory MPs broke election cash rule. This is on the front of the Daily Mirror. Adele's triumphant return to touring complete with swear words and all the rest of it. Plus, inside the Oscar parties, Elton has one of his. What, what sort of food do they have, sir? I don't know, actually. I don't, I'm not really big into parties. I've been to a few, but I'm not that bothered about them. Hello, it's tea. That's Adele. So she did her first night. She got great reviews, as indeed, you know, you would expect. You would expect. Oh, I have to thank uh, Jules in Selsey, sending me a packet of um, 
these traditional puff pastry biscuits sandwiched with a light lemon-flavoured cream filling. They're very nice, uh, but they're not the ones we had. The ones that we had were were oblong. Roblox. I mean, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm prepared to try them. Don't, don't get me wrong here. Uh, plus the riot police. It's jungle warfare. Riot as Calais camp is cleared. Refugees smash into Macedonia. And these are people who are heading in this direction. Doesn't look good, does it, really? Uh, Donald ready to trump his Republican rivals. And uh, the cull of the Tory grassroots. Uh, there's loads for you to get excited with in the papers today and with Nick Ferrari. He's with you after the news at seven. Thank you very much indeed for all your texts and emails. And um, a lot of her, the checkout girl could lose her job, although she's made an error. The supermarket would think she'd stolen it as the tiller be short. What are you on about? Honestly, I'll tell you, just at the end of the programme, you get one which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, the till wouldn't be short. Why would the till be short? <laughs> Don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for mobile or tablet. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. LBC. 